Welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I do welcome you as in, as ever, into the house. My house here as we have a lot to discuss. Boy, for being right in the uh, cold spot of the off season, we've got a lot to deliberate over and to talk about today as we ever kind of do, but uh, especially now, maybe some of this is propelled by having so many more draft picks, but there is a variety of different news that is kind of popping and bubbling about for us to get into. We're going to talk a little bit about the defense here today as we lost a very key defensive uh, member of the staff. We also have some breaking news regarding uh, a guy that I've considered the number one prospect in this draft. Uh, some major, major news regarding that. John Schneider has had his yearly discussion at the Combine. Some interesting little tidbits to be pulled from there, no doubt. And we have an early owner maybe potentially emerging from the smoke for the future if this team should be put up for potential sale. So a lot of different bits of news to go through, not to mention even a little bit of Bobby news to go with that as well. But let's start off the top with what I posted on my thumbnail, and we will bend to, to Jalen Carter in a second off this one. But right off the top, of course, is the Seahawks lose Sean Desai, assistant head coach, defensive maestro of the Vic Fangio cover two shell defense to the Philadelphia Eagles. So this is a pretty big loss in many respects. Now, certainly last year, the Seahawks defense did not get to benefit uh, very much from transitioning to a new defense. It very much looked like a, a, a work in progress. Let's call it that to try to be kind. But you were knowing that you were going to need Fangio on the back end to operate the secondary and, and the principles of the defense on the secondary in particular. And this was even talked about by Clint Hurt last year. I believe it's on season one of the Seahawks little documentary thing they do for the during training camp last year where he's talking to the defensive guys around him and they're asking him about Sean Desai bringing brought in as he's being announced as defensive coordinator. After all, Desai had just been a defensive coordinator at Chicago, so... I always kind of wonder if the players maybe infer a little bit with that of, you know, well, don't you kind of worry a little bit? You got to look over your shoulder. But, you know, Hurt said it pretty plainly at the time of, you know, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And that being the secondary stuff, the, the little minor details, you can run a, every, any team can run basic secondary concepts, but it's the little deals, details, the little nuances within the coverage schemes that are really the parts that, that, that make or break or change or differentiate secondaries from one from the other in many different respects of things. So Fangio leaving now opens up a very large hole to the Seahawks trying to continue to implement in the cover two Fangio defense. It, it does sort of put a little bit of a strain on getting that across at this point. And this is especially hammered home when you look across the league at the teams trying to put the Fangio scheme into place. It does seem to go wrong more often than it goes right. And when it goes wrong, it seems to be for two different reasons, particularly. The first reason is easy. A team is running one style of defense a particular year, then they flip over to the Fangio style of defense, and then it goes, well, yeah, duh. You, you can't just flip your, your scheme that was built to this these players to that scheme and go to this new scheme, which they may not be built for, and hope you're going to get right back the same kind of return. Don't work that way. No way. The second aspect, though, is not getting in the proper coaching in order to bring out the scheme itself. And I don't know that there's a lot of Fangio disciples out there that exist 
that certainly can make this scheme go. And I might argue that Desai might be one of the few ones when you consider the work he did in Chicago with a very undermanned defense there as a defensive coordinator. And he definitely got the most out of a very uh, little amount of talent overall there. So I look to it and I go, okay, here's a hole. How do we fill it? That's the question at hand at this point. Now, you could say there's an easy answer here. Uh, Coach Carroll has a very long storied history with a man by the name of Ed Donatel, who was even a guy that the Seahawks were considering for the defensive coordinator position last year before he got it hired. Uh, I don't know if they were doing the coordinator. They're at least looking to bring him in as the same kind of consultant position of um, Desai. But he got hired as the defensive coordinator with the Vikings, and that didn't go too well. So that may be a door that opens up here for us. Desai and Carroll have, like I said, long history, good friends, good buddies. I guess that's the easiest thing to come in here and fill this with, with a guy who still does know how to do it um, and who's had, I think, overall a pretty solid, I remember looking him up last year, and he's had a pretty solid track record with his defenses. Last year would seem to be a little bit of an outlier. And again, the Vikings committed Cardinal Rule 1 of those two that I just mentioned. It, for them, it wasn't a matter of not getting in the right disciple. For them, it was a matter of flipping from one defense to the other and not moving out any of the defensive personnel, really. Not, not invigorating it in the way that you need to if you're going to make this defense work, if you're going to switch on a dime like that and take that kind of undertaking. So right out the gate, that's probably the most likely of what will happen now that Desai's moved on. But I... Can't help but kind of hope that there's a little bit of consideration in the building right now for just sliding back to the 4-3 defense. I don't think the Fangio implementation last year was particularly smooth. Yes, some of it came from the lack of personnel, and both Carol and Schneider have mentioned this multiple times over, uh, that this is where they need to get better, and I wouldn't disagree with them. But I didn't see a whole lot of variance from what we had done in the secondary. I think there's certain machinations within Coach Carroll where he's going to want to go from a defensive standpoint back to his base, back to what he knows. And so he's not going to want to kind of establish this new stuff, I think, as much. That was kind of my take a little bit on it and what I saw last year. Some of it was also, I think, a lot of what they had planned to do was thrown out the window with Jamal Adams going down week one. That was their highest paid defensive player, all the assets they'd put into him. They were really going to try to, I think, focus that defense around a little bit of his talents a little bit more. And that just kind of was was dead on arrival one quarter into the season, not a quarter of the games into the season, one quarter into the season. But I look at this and I go, the easy fix is to go back to the 4-3. You have two players on this defense right now, and Boye Mafe and then and Uchenna Nuosu, who are maybe your pure uh, three, four guys. I still think both those two guys probably could still do some 4-3 stuff, but that shouldn't be the thing that you know holds you up from transitioning back to the other if that's where you want to go with this. If if that's how you want to roll if you're Coach Carroll, they've got, a, I think, a variety of different ways that they can go here, but they can't, I think, just sort of wing it and go, well, we'll just bring somebody in-house and try to make these concepts work in our basic understanding of them. They've really got to choose, as I always say with this, I hate when you straddle defense, and that's what we did a little bit last year with this defense. There was a little bit too much of straddling of the old, not enough of bear bringing on and bearing up onto the new. And um, that's where you're just looking for a little bit of uh, forward progress there. And if it can't be had, if there's just something, and I'm okay if that's the case. I'm okay if it's like, Carol going, I can't go there with this. It leaves my, it, it leaves the DNA of how I, I've molded a defense for 40 years, 50 years. I go, okay, 
I, I get it on that. I, you know, go back to what you do know, at least to at least get this place, then going forward to a middling state defensively, and then look with an eye towards the offense to, to making that more of an elite type of crew. And that being maybe the more of the bedrock of how you build this team going forward to hopefully become elite. Okay. I'm cool with going that route if they want it. It's not the, it's not the worst routes to go. And Carroll at least does know with how to run that defense backwards to front. Whereas again, with this one, it was just, there's times last year, especially the gap and a halfing. I mean, this is not just a matter of secondary stuff. This is also with the defensive linemen. You just imagine folks, you know, when you're you, traditionally as a defensive lineman, you're asked to do one of two responsibilities. You're two gapping, you know, you're holding on to, you got the lineman right there. You're supposed to just try to not get moved back off the line of scrimmage. And then you just got to kind of control basically outside your left, outside your right shoulder. And it's it's relatively easy job for a defensive lineman, especially if they're a big guy, to just kind of sit there and hunker down. And then you got your single gapping guys, you know. They're just trying to fire up on one of those gaps. Instead of one one either way of one shoulder, they're just going to go for one shoulder and attack that shoulder and try to get in the backfield and disrupt and penetrate and blow the plays up before they even start. So what this defense does, though, is it, of course, goes gap and a half. And so you're oftentimes having these guys quasi shoot the gap, but they always have to have in the back of their mind that I got to get back to that, that other gap if I can. That's why they call it gap and a half, because you're not really committing to full two gap stuff, but you always got to get back to that other gap. And it's a, it, it, as you see, oftentimes defensive players do it in the creative ways that they have to call upon to make that happen. You'll have a guy because linemen will use the leverage against you on that type of stuff when they when they know you're shooting that gap. And so if you have to come back to the other gap, sometimes now you got a, like a revolving door, come all the way back around the lineman, take the long approach to hopefully get there in time before the ball carrier gets to your gap. As we saw last year, that often doesn't happen. Or you try to cheat and undercut the lineman and then he just snow plows you and it's a big gain and you look like you got pancaked and you look like you look silly when in actuality you're going to look silly when you're trying to flail yourself back to that half a gap it's it, there's a lot of little things like this within the nuance of the defense that are kind of troublesome from what i saw last year that just didn't give me a lot of confidence to believe that they're going to get resolved here this next year simply by flipping out the personnel the team at this point does seem to be committed to it and uh, as i said ed donatel is out there now having been uh, let go of his duties with the Minnesota Vikings as their defensive coordinator. So he may yet be here onward. We'll see how that situation continues to develop. The story that I'm sure is at the forefront of many in the chat here, uh, as I know all my all my peoples in the chat, all many of the Seahawks fandom out there uh, outside of the chat here are certainly a keen ear to the draft, watching things closely. We have the combine now beginning out there in Indianapolis. And some of our first major news broke today. Um, no, it is not that Bryce Young is going to join Kyler Murphy, Kyler Murray as a Keebler elf after he gets measured. It is, in fact, that there is some bring news today regarding Jalen Carter. Uh, Jalen Carter has had an arrest warrant issued for him by, I believe it's Athens Police, in, in connection with uh, potentially a street racing incident that occurred uh, many, many months back, um, quite a bit of time back, and uh, where two of the Georgia football players died in the other car. Uh, other people were injured at the time of the crash. Um, this was a big story at Georgia at the time. Police have obviously conducted a pretty long investigation into this. The, the time of the story dropping is interesting. Um, I'll give you a few little details here. 
Um, at first, Jalen Carter, so the, the first question at play with the police and Jalen Carter was whether or not he was drag racing, whether he was next to the car when it did, in fact, crash. Um, and so here's a little bit of this at first. At first, Jalen Carter told the police he was nearly a mile away when a University of Georgia teammate and a football staff member died in a car crash. Later, Carter said he had been following the car when it wrecked close enough to see its taillights. And at one point, he acknowledged he was alongside the other car whose speedometer struck on impact at 83 miles per hour, double the speed limit. Carter, a defensive starter for Georgia, who's projected as a top pick in the NFL, this year's NFL draft, left the crash scene apparently before the police or emergency medical workers arrived. When he returned an hour and a half later, he gave shifting accounts of the wreck as an Athens police officer questioned him about whether he had been racing the car that crashed, according to documents reviewed by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Carter denied he was racing before the January 15th crash, which killed recruiting analyst Chandler McLacroix, offensive lineman David Willock, another recruiting staff member Tory Bowles, 26, and offensive lineman Warren McClellan were injured. Carter's presence at the moment of the crash Previously unreported alters the narrative that Athens police officials offered publicly from the beginning. It was, officials said, simply a single car accident caused by LaCroix driving too fast. But the, re the police had reason to suspect almost from the moment of the crash that other cars had been at the scene. And they soon learned at least two of those vehicles were driven by Georgia football players. Seeking evidence of possible racing, officers had attained, here's a key part, officers have obtained... Surveillance video from city-owned cameras along the route the players took out of downtown Athens. They've also obtained from at least one business owner. The police have declined to release the videos, saying they are evidence in an open case. Details of the investigation released Wednesday cited evidence that Carter and LaCroix were operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing shortly before the fatal crash. The evidence demonstrated that both vehicles switched between lanes, drove in the center turn lane, drove in opposite lanes of travel, overtook other motorists, and drove at, other, at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt at outdistancing each other. Uh, LaCroix had a bunch of... Uh, LaCroix, of course, then had a bunch of alcohol in his system when they did a... Uh, autopsy on him after that um, and tested his blood. So... We now have uh, some definite smoke, not just smoke, but pure fire now, not even smoke, to the reports of Jalen Carter's uh, character issues. And so a complicated little bit of a, of a breakdown on this one for me in a, in a lot of respects. Now, first off, I said before, I didn't like the, the general nature of the character concerns because they come out anonymously, and I can't say that word right now, but there was nobody putting their name to it, and we had no something, nothing substantial as far as details go outside of him needing to get in better shape. So the details to me were very murky before on what it was that, that was the issue here at play with him as far as truly him as being a problem from a character standpoint. Um, this fully now raises these up in a major way. So this is something tangible. This is different than just simply, you know, looking at the situation and going, you know, well, you know, it's... It's just, uh, so we don't know what it is. Let's keep an eye out for what this might be or what it isn't. I, you know, this is bad. Um, Henry Ruggs' situation just happened not a year ago. He's in jail right now. That's fresh on every NFL owner's mind. Ruggs, an insanely talented guy, right? SEC, SEC conference player in Alabama. Um, having that situation happen with him, there, the, the fact that this crash also caused somebody to die in addition to that, 
Um, if there were already some other additional character concerns in addition to this situation happening with Jalen that people had heard about from a lack of work ethic standpoint or whatever you want to fill in the blanks on that, then this certainly is going to reinforce that in a, a major way. So, uh, you know, my opinion is going to be, you know, two different things on this, I guess. Number one, does this impact his draft stock? 100% absolutely. Does he have a Laramie Tunsil-like fall in this draft? Yeah, probably does have a fall like that in this draft. Does he get out of the first round? Maybe. The, at the end of the day, the, when you look at the charges here as it currently stands here, we've got a misdemeanor reckless driving charge. And yes, it, it maybe looks work, worse from a public relations standpoint, but... You know, is a team going to allow a talent like this to get all the way through the first round? Um, or eventually the talent's good enough that you're going to just take your slings and arrows uh, as far as the as that talent goes. I, I think at this point, it's kind of hard for me. Like I'd say with Tunsil, it would have been hard for you to see with him. Guy's got a gas mask on his thing. And I don't, I'm not judging those guys on that. that like, you know, whatever. But I know from public perception wise, how the NFL teams look at it. I do think you probably will drift down a little bit. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you stand and look at this guy, uh, this does definitely probably remove him off Schneider's list because you have all of that aforementioned stuff that's going on with the current lay of the land. Uh, you have that, um, you know, you've got the, the, the Henry Rugg situation. You've got this with the driving accident caused that where they've got um, uh, two people dying and multiple people injured. Then you've got the Isaiah Wilson situation from a couple of years ago, a really fine standout tackle for Georgia who ended up like at one point driving on the freeway, trying to get away from the cops. You know, you, you go, okay, what's, what's going on in that Georgia program here now? You know, what's, what's happening here now? And uh, that's, that's the part that, that gets disconcerting, I think from general manager standpoint, certainly Schneider who then has all that. And then in addition to that, he has the Malik McDowell situation that lingers as well behind him where that's one of, I'm sure, as he looks at him inside himself, one of his greatest failures because he could see it coming. It's one thing when you have a failure or something go wrong that you can't see coming. That was certainly one that I think he would acknowledge to you that, yeah, I probably probably should have been a little bit more keen on that one. I just got too caught up in the talent itself. And I, I think you put this all together and it probably pushes him off the Seahawks board. From my personal standpoint on this, um, I, I do think that the surveillance cameras could end up being a bit of a death knell in this situation. Now, these surveillance cameras tend to not have the high definition view to them to where you can really see who's driving what car. So he very well could be trying to cite the fact that he was a passenger in one of the other cars. And and that that will be his story of it. And the cameras are not going to be clear enough on that to to get a, a clear, clear process. And at that point, it's going to be hard to probably prove that it was him if you don't have anything absent that. The, the case is going to be tough for the Georgia police to prove here. Um, it does feel a little bit like the Georgia police on this are trying to send a message, not as much a message to Jalen Carter, but perhaps maybe a message back to the Georgia program if incidences like this are becoming a little bit more mm, commonplace. You know? And if it is just a message, then that doesn't mean that this is being done just for the purity of the of the law and the situation that there's something beyond that a little bit, but I think it's going to be tough for them to prove absent them being able to show him behind the wheel and doing it. But is he going to get exonerated before the draft? 
Probably not. The way the way the wheels of justice tend to work with this type of stuff is that it tends to be something that will just kind of last and linger and you're not really quite sure. So, But again, it is misdemeanor charges. I do always lean on this in the way uh, where I try to be consistent with this is that I'm not a big fan. In fact, beyond saying I'm not a big fan, I really don't like the court of public opinion hanging people you know, just as far as mob justice is concerned. And and in this internet age, there is a definitely a dipping towards that at times that, you know, if we don't, unless we got a video we're looking at or something like, like if it's something where it's secondhand or it's maybe this or that, you know, I, I do like letting a little bit as imperfect as it is, the wheels of justice spin a little bit to figure out what's what on this stuff before jumping to kind of conclusions on the fact that, uh, Carter's just a, a wild man and this just shows you this and that. I, I don't make those same kind of leaps and jumps. on, And I try to be pretty consistent about that almost no matter what player on it because I think that there is a little bit of a, a jump right now from a societal standpoint with us on these on in these kind of situations to one either, you know, classify them as uh, guilty or innocent one way or another without really knowing all the facts or knowing what really truly absolutely happened on that night and, and what went down. But uh the timing of this, I thought, was very interesting from George's, the Georgia police's standpoint um, as far as it goes. So it wouldn't scare me off personally. Uh, this draft is is a draft that if this was a stronger draft, if this was last year's draft and Jalen Carter was within it, then it would be very easy for me to push him back off the board and say no, no moss. But the fact that this draft is kind of as weak as it is at the front of it and that there isn't the pure talent up there as much as you'd like um, I'm personally not, not at a point where I'm entirely like this. Well, he would just be off my board. No doubt about it at this point. And again, knowing that I don't know all the information of the situation and wanting to see the situation not be played out publicly. So that's where I stand personally on it. Um, you will find me when it comes to the situations, usually being pretty consistent in this approach. I know it runs antithetical to the modern designs, which everybody's supposed to jump forward and just start, start stabbing, you know, <laughs> but, uh, not me. Not, not I, says me. The uh, other news that we did have here was John Schneider did do a little bit of his yearly talking down at the Combine. Nothing he dropped that I think was major outside again of reinforcing something that I've been kind of touching on a bunch when Schneider's talked this offseason in those spots that he has talked, which is a little bit of the question that got posed to me, I think about 350 times on the channel over the past year, which was, why was last year's draft different? Why was last year's draft better? What did they do that was different? And we can make our arguments or not about whether Carroll had some power torn away from him or whether Schneider was given some more power or, or what caused it. But there was definitely at this point where we're confirmed on one thing at this point. This is, not un, this is undeniable now, especially this recent Schneider interview. And that is, that is that the team took a very, very certain stance last year of saying we're going to take the best player available on our board. We're not going to reach. And this last interview with Schneider where he had been kind of towing at the edges of saying that that was the truth of the situation. And that's why, you know, when he's asked on Wyman and Bob, he really went at it this time. And so that's where we went that was different from what we'd done previously where we'd reach for some guys. I mean, he, I think literally references reaching for guys. So that's where not only the reason why you had the success last year, that's why you can have confidence into this year's draft having that potential for success being set up in front of it as well. Yeah, four picks in the first 52 selections will help you get there too. But beyond that, because they've changed the, boat, the, the mode of philosophy, which had been a driver in previous years in previous failed drafts, 
then it's understandable how why that will carry forward, why that was not a one year off, but a change in philosophy that can continue now downstream because they really got the benefits of it. I mean, if anything, they're going to probably, you know, squeeze even harder now on that philosophy this year with all the returns from last year's draft. So that was one of the most wonderful parts to hear about. Again, just fully confirms that to me in my mind. Uh, talked a little bit about the quarterbacks in the draft and the mention of when you're drafting this high and their quarterbacks up here, you don't tend to be up here this high. So there's definitely a draw there to grab quarterbacks. He mentioned a lot about uh, Wolf, his mentor, who was a guy who every year it seemed like in Green Bay would go and he'd go take quarterbacks, even when he had Brett Favre. And remember, he had Brett Favre as an Ironman. You know, we had that with Russell Wilson at one time. And and we just essentially went kind of cheap with the quarterback. But what the Packers would do is they would just constantly keep adding quarterbacks. Yeah, Ty Detmer, Mark Brunell, Matt Hasselbeck, uh, Kurt Warner came through there. Uh, they had the the kid that went out to New Orleans, Aaron Brooks, I think was his name. Um, a variety of guys. And what he would do is he'd go get these guys in the fifth round and develop and then flip them for a second round pick, you know, even though they didn't have a real spot for him to start. And the Packers kind of leaned into that and helped them accumulate more draft compensation that way, build a stronger team. And so when Schneider says that you know, it's not going to impact what happens to Geno, I'm going to potentially look at the quarterback here. Sure. Some of that is a little bit of, uh, you know, if you're if you're hoping that the quarterback you want, like an Anthony Richardson, slides past us at five, and that there's no doubt that that's going to happen, you know, you know, don't count those chickens until we might pick them, because we might take your chicken, you know. And that's where I'd, that's a, I, I think he's giving you a little. There's there's a little bit of that on the surface of it, but there's also this the beneath it. I think he's also telling it true, where they will consider taking a quarterback at that pick. Uh, the Gini asked about the Geno negotiations as well. Schneider said that they are making progress. The reporter followed up with a question and asking about whether or not um, they were, whether or not that meant they were close. And he just said, no, it's progress. These are longer negotiations. Usually when you have these kind of bigger money deals as they are, and um, you've got to kind of go through the, the woods on that one. So not close, but progress for whatever that's worth. And they are continuing on those negotiations. The Seahawks have until March 7th to put the franchise tag on Geno Smith. Uh, I would expect if we do not see a deal done before March 7th that they would indeed put that on him. Um, Schneider did mention that that is a, a tool for the team to use as well in his um, interview at the uh, Combine. Uh, we also got a little news as far as Bobby from reportedly from the team that the Seahawks are interested in going back out there and getting their hands back up onto Bobby Wagner, bringing him back onto the team, but that it is, uh, there are some things to work out, uh, you know, obviously, namely the fact that, uh, no doubt Bobby's probably still a little bit butthurt about the fact that the team did him a little bit dirty last year and the Insta release and the, the lack of even trying to renegotiate his current contract, as he had said, indicated he was going to be willing and opening to, open to doing and in, his, in the final press conference of the season that he gave. So there's going to be probably some fences that are going to have to be a little bit mended there. And he has not yet been released by the Rams. So the Rams, of course, are playing this little bit of this dirty pool that teams will play where they will have it leaked that said given player A is going to be released and what they're really trying to do is sort of just, you know, drum up a little bit of interest if there's any out there for potentially trading for Bobby at that point. You know, hey, do you want a guy that was the highest rated PFF guy? We'll, we'll flip him to you for a third rounder. 
and then they can offload the salary at that point, and they're they're a little bit. Uh, they've used this before. Remember the Todd Gurley situation, and they've had a couple of these kind of contracts where they've gotten themselves out from under it a little bit by by getting teams to sort of take them over instead, so that they don't have to suffer the full the full brunt of the loss, if you will, of it. So uh, we'll see if a team bites, which I don't think they will, and I don't think that that, that Bobby's going to necessarily sign off on being moved. Um, he's going to want to just be a, in, a free agent at that point. So we'll see what happens there, but he will be a free agent. Seattle will be interested. I would expect them to make a pretty hearing that we're already hearing a little bit of interest from them on it. Then that tells me that at least they're not just going, you know, we've moved on, which could have been the other sound bout we got from the team, which then would have definitely give us certainty that he wasn't coming back at that point. So that was at least I thought uh, reasonably good news. On our final note here to lead off the show today, we also got a little bit of news about potential ownership change in the future. No, the team is not for sale. No, Jody Allen has not indicated that the team is for sale. But if you've wandered and watched this channel, then you know that I've long speculated the fact that once the Seahawks organization crossed the threshold of next year, I believe it's June, they are going to then pass the point where they would have to pay 10% of the proceeds of a sale of the team back to the city of Seattle. So I would expect at that time, the team to be kind of open for business for a potential sale as is dictated by the Paul Allen Trust, which Jody Allen is an executor, I guess, of. So that will be, I think, a situation that does come down. Now you have this in the back of your mind, and then you're looking at the situation going on in Washington where Dan Schneider is being softly nudged, softly nudged out the door by the NFL owners to sell the team. And uh, they're going to potentially get, they could get very dark with Dan here very quick. Uh, as, as it seems like it's sort of getting a little bit kind of heated in that situation, just a tiny bit, but Dan reportedly wanted Bezos out on the situation. Bezos was kind of the front runner to become in there and buy that Washington team. Uh, and of course the owner of Amazon and, uh, Schneider put a nix that one supposedly does not want him in on it. Some of this some has maybe something to do with Bezos owning also the Washington Post and they did some <laughs> stories on Schneider and so he's still angry about that and so we'll see how that goes but again I still think in the back of my mind too I'm not so sure Schneider's going to go just quietly into that good night. It seems like he's going to kind of have his little hissy fit here before this is all said and done and make his share of noise about, you know, what's what um, before that goes down. But certainly the NFL owners want to see a change. Still, if Bezos not in on the Washington sale, then it probably is hard pressed to see another team coming up for sale within the next five years in the NFL. It's possible. Certainly stuff does, does happen like this from time to time. But uh, these guys tend to own these teams pretty long for the most part. And uh, I have, I've been looking through the NFL organizations for other teams that might be out there for sale. I didn't see anybody really jumping out to me. So your hometown team or, you know, definitely the the connections that Bezos has to Pacific Northwest now becomes open. I, and, and this was also reported that uh, Bezos actually would have as much interest, if not more interest, in taking over as a Seattle owner than he would even in Washington I think that's pretty telling, and uh, I do think that you would uh, definitely see him emerge as a front runner if he can't get that Washington ownership. Then you definitely, be, I get asked a lot about this one of who's going to be the next owner, um, and I thought maybe Balmer would jump into this one, but I'd say Bezos. If you're a betting man on Vegas, put your money on Bezos at that point because it's very likely to be the guy to to come in here and buy the team. So. A little bit of an interesting bit of news on that. The uh, combine is going on right now. Not a whole lot to report from a measurements, 40s, all that sort of stuff standpoint. They're kind of just doing their initial 
feeling everything out situations. So we will be having more of the scores and numbers as we go along in the next week and stuff to kind of kind of look at and turn over a little bit. Um, so just a little bit of the interviews as much as anything else right now. Nothing really um, noteworthy or newsworthy on that one. So uh, please do me a favor and hit the like button if you do like what you're listening to today. Thank you to all of the new subscribers on the channel. I really appreciate it. We just uh, keep cooking along here at the Hawk's Nest. And so I want to say thank you to everybody out there that's uh, jumped aboard here. A lot of great kind uh, words in the chat regarding the recent video that dropped last night. So that was good to hear. I kind of was kind of trying to do a little bit something more outside the box on that one. And uh, we'll definitely be getting some more of those kind of uh, uh, put a little some some satirical elements into these vids as we go along a little bit. So thank you for all that, you guys. Um, let me get. Uh, we got a couple couple donations here. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit behind. You guys know I got to do my initial my initial thing here. George Samuel, how you doing, my man? Out from Egypt. He's been a member for the Hawks Nest for five months, representing the Hawks Nest out in Egypt. You know you're our guy out there, George. He says, "Hey, I guess you won your bet." Hashtag Go Hawks. I guess you just won your bet. What was my what was my bet, George? It'll come to me in a second, I'm sure, George. But I'm trying to think of which bet you're talking about. Oh, I, about the bet with the hot. There we go, George. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. My bet that there's three quarterbacks going in the top five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, my my bet my bet got aided by the uh, Georgia Police Department, George. So that one definitely got. But hey, if you're right, you're right. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter how you're right. You just gotta be right. Uh, Jack Turner, uh, thank you for the five dollar. And George, thank you for all the um, uh, support on the channel. Five long months, man, as a member, I really do appreciate that. Uh, Jack Turner, thank you as well for the five dollar donation. Sorry, both you guys, just a little late in acknowledging. Says, hey, Brando, quarterback at five, the move now with Pete and John's comments at the combine. Take Levis or Stroud if we don't re-sign Geno. I hope we don't. Or AR-15 to sit. Yeah, so let's act. I think what you're operating from initially here on this, Jack, is is uh, yeah, I, I think you've got to look heavily as much as ever at this point at the quarterback. The news of Carter has to get you looking even more heavily at quarterback. You know, was before I was at five going, well, you got to just take Carter. If he's there, that's the best player in the draft at that point you're grabbing. I, I'm i not a big guy on this character stuff. I don't like knocking 21-year-old kids and holding them to the accountability factor of guys that are, you know, full-grown adults that are making a living. Yeah, I, I just don't like doing it. But with that said, reality is reality here. And if AR-15 is looking at you there now versus Jalen Carter, a month ago, that would have been a no-brainer to go Jalen Carter. Now it's more of Jack. Okay, well, maybe maybe AR-15 is kind of more of the right pathway here. And I, I, I have to say that quarterback has leaned a little heavily, heavier in the direction this morning after the recent news than ever before and becomes more of the, uh, the likelier choice to me. Now, there is also the trade-up aspect here that comes into play on this because the Carter news also impacts other things. If Carter's going to dip and dive and he's going to drop out of, let's say, the top 10, then that means that there's going to be more quarterbacks taken early. If there's three quarterbacks taken in the first four picks and Anderson goes at four, well, now it is going to be Anthony Richardson we're talking about. And is there a team willing at 9, 10, 11, 12, Jack, to go up and take Anthony Richardson as raw as he is? I don't know on that. I wouldn't shock me, Anthony, to go up that high and that his value just gets driven in this post process in that way. But at the same point in time, 
is a team going to be willing to give up all of the goods to go get that guy at that point? And maybe so. I mean, Niners were willing to do it with Lance, who was a, kind of a similar guy with similar similar question marks on him. So if they were willing to do it on him, would not another team be willing to do it? And to me, I, I do come back to Jack beyond drafting a quarterback. That remains to me, if, if it was not going to be a Carter Anderson reality, then you know, try to trade back, try to get the extra picks into the future. That's your ideal. Yeah. But thank you, Jack, for the donation, man. I really do appreciate it. Corey Olson, appreciate your $5. Don't know as well, brother. Hope you're doing well tonight. Hope everyone's doing great tonight. Uh, he says, Seattle has to take quarterback and I'm not that guy. Uh, Seattle has to take quarterback and I'm not that guy that just takes a quarterback just to take one for need. I told everyone last year, heck no. Just wait for where we are here. Uh, I, I echo your thoughts on this as well, Corey, and, and feeling fairly much the same way. And, and, and you can test that as well, of course, knowing I, I was similar place last year and saying, no, not the right time for a quarterback. Um, just no, 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 not the right draft for a quarterback. This class is better for quarterbacks. You're going to have a better quarterback. You take it five, even with the first three guys off the board. Anthony Richardson is still a far better prospect than any of the quarterbacks in last year's draft. Any of them, any of them. So, you know, that's, I, I'm in a different place this year at this point, Corey. And this is also not a thing as, as any decision I, you know, I harp on this too. It's like any decision is not just made in itself in some vacuum. There's so, there's always other things, always other things impacting what the decision-making is going to be. So it's not just about the strength of the quarterback class, right? It's also about the strength of the rest of the draft class. And you're talking about another one of those tier one guys out in Jalen Carter, potentially for character concerns. Well, now the draft that was already weak to begin with, which got kneecapped further by the NIL, which now is going to see maybe its top prospect removed off the board. That, from a logical standpoint, has to, Corey, move you in a direction and does me too towards the quarterback a little bit more firmer. If there was a grander option to be had at five, if, if Tyree Wilson was a little more refined, if Miles Murphy wasn't just flashes, if, if we actually had a need for running back to go get Bijan Robinson, you know, this might be a different story, but those aren't the realities that we are looking at. And nothing is happening in a vacuum. There's other parameters that come into play and the other parameters do kind of, I think, uh, as well, push you towards the QB. Just got to do it, man. Got to do it if that's the right pick. If that's the guy, if they've got that value on it, you got to, as John said, you're not going to be up, as many others have said in my chat, you're not going to be up this high into the future, picking this high in future drafts necessarily to have this opportunity unless a lot of things have gone wrong. And we probably don't want to operate from the assumption that things are going to go wrong um, in the team building philosophy of things. But uh, appreciate you, Corey. Thank you so much, uh, Jack, to you as well, George. Uh, Randall McDaniel with a $20 donation. Thank you, Randall, coming in hard with the $20 donation, man. I really do appreciate it. Always very supportive of the channel and one of my original OGs on this channel and Randall. He says, here's my thoughts on Carter. 21-year-old kid made a mistake, was on top of the world, was out having fun and messed up. At 21, I was a moron. Not going to hold this against him. People grow up and hopefully learn as they go. Uh, Randall, thank you for the uh, phenomenal $20 donation, man. I really do appreciate it. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people in the chat that are going to sort of take that that opposite look and approach of it and, and you know, be very hard on him and, and just kind of want to, you know, grind him across the ground on that. I'm not myself going to be in that camp, though. I'm going to be in the camp that you're in with this. 
Um, I, I, it's one thing if you've got multitudes of stories of somebody doing, uh, laying their hands on a woman or, or doing something that's, you know, tremendously like, you know, and this isn't good. It's not good. It's not a great look. Um, but for, if, if it's just this in itself of allegations and if there's not, if there's just a lot of this other smoke about the character stuff and it's just this allegations, I, I would be with you on this in the respect of it's not necessarily something that just, and, and maybe I'm too too open to the to the second chances and to the guys that that are going to grow up at their own rate and that some guys are a little immature at 21 years old i i would be with you i 21 years old i wasn't my head wasn't put together you know and i've known a lot of 21 year old guys and especially 21 year old guys like him that are top of the world with everything cooking like you say it's it, it's very easy to sometimes get lost in things you know so it wouldn't for me either, and there would be other due diligence I would be looking to do. And look, the, any team looking at Jalen at this point is going to do their due diligence. And if my PIs and all my internal people come back and go, this was just the tip of the iceberg, well, then, Randall, that's probably that's probably that's something that might push me in, out of that direction of things where if it's like, yeah, this is just who he is. He's doing this crazy stuff. It's only a matter of time. And I might be a little more at that point going, I don't, I don't. But if this was a kind of isolated and there's a little well and he's not got the conditioning stuff's not been always the greatest he's just very naturally gifted but he's he's the big dog in the room blah blah blah, blah. you know that kind of like then i'm gonna be i'm okay with it so i'm i'm really more i'm with you overall with this in the same way this would not be to me the the thing to suddenly trigger me to drop him out you can as easily draft any of these guys and on day one have them tear their acl and never play a game for you you know, there's a lot of risk to everything in this sport, um, especially from the equivalent risk, physical aspect of things. So I, I don't, I wouldn't let it be enough to me, but I know why Schneider might. I, I can get why it's easy for me to say this, but if it goes bad and you draft a guy like Carter and then he does do something awful, then people just like, they will let you have it. I mean, they did with Malik McDowell, you know, with all the questions that were there with him and then come back to him going like, why would you, you knew this was wrong. You knew it was, you know, so that's, I, I get it. It's easier for me to say when I'm not facing the live fire like Sean is if he has to make the choice for Jalen. But I just think that, uh, look at Laramie Tunsil, you know, Laramie has a gas mask video that comes out and again, a situation that's born out of, you know, the timing of it. Somebody's trying to hurt Laramie Tunsil. I feel like the timing of this with Georgia police is a little bit of not, not trying to hurt the Georgia program, but maybe send a message to the Georgia program of like, you know, tighten it up. You know, these kinds of instances can't happen where your people are going around our citizens going over the middle turns here, going over the, you know, and we're hearing about this stuff happening too often, you know, and that's, that does, again, as I say, it doesn't have anything to do with justice at that point. It's about, a message to the program beyond it is to just Jalen Carter individually. So we'll see how it goes with that, Randall. But I, I do feel the way you feel on this one. I'm not, I'm not dragging him. Doesn't interest me. You know what I mean? Uh, thank you though, man, for the $20 donation. Chase, thank you for the $2 donation. How you doing tonight, man? Hope well. This is trade back and take Anthony Richardson. I'm not so sure that Anthony Richardson gets past five at this point. So, you know, um, if Carter's going to drop, he's probably dropping mid, at least into the teens. I believe Tunsil went into like late teens, early 20s, I believe. So he's not going to be, I, I don't think he goes all the way to the first round, but uh, if that occurs, then you're going to see three quarterbacks go in the top four picks, which I long suspected before Jalen Carter was going to drop. I most certainly suspect it now. Anderson goes four, and then 
you would have Anthony Richardson at five and you have your opportunity to take Anthony Richardson or then he's, he's going off the board after you, I would say, one way or another. That's the last true value quarterback pick at that point in this draft. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to be willing to offer in this draft, in this situ- especially this draft with the, the, the weakness of it as it is a little bit. So I, I, I don't think you trade back at that point, Chase. It comes down to you either pick him, you love him, or you just go defense and take that different direction of it. I think you go anywhere down, you're going to lose him. Um, M, uh, Pre- M, name right? M Predel. Thank you for subscribing, Predel. Appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. Herbicide, what's up, Jack? Says, does today's news change your viewpoint on Carter? Yep. So I still do want him, but it does change the viewpoint and understanding if they didn't. I, I completely would have John Schneider's back on this of just, I'm not doing that. I've taken that risk. You know, you, you, sometimes as a general manager, you get one of those where you take some monster risk that blows completely up in your face. And, you know, you've had your Percy Harvins here, you know, you've had this situation. So uh, I just don't think they probably would, uh, based based on reading the, the tea leaves here, you know. Uh, big country, the howdy, the Carter news kind of sucks. It really sucks. So I'm really bummed out for the kid. Big bummer. Megan, what's up, Megan? Says, still want Carter at 5B? I don't like to say I told you so, but there's those pesky character concerns I was flamed for. Well, I mean, I didn't flame anybody on Omega myself. Um, somebody else might have been the, dra- in the thing, but I just said that I just don't put anything in it until I have something that's tangible, you know, in reports and unnamed sources and all that stuff. I've learned enough in the modern age to know that that stuff um, is sometimes just a way for people to put whatever info out there for different reasons and so i want to just as i said if there's something tangible then i'll definitely give it credence and if there isn't then i won't uh would i still do it yeah i would um but again i i think i'm probably a little more forgiving on this than some are when it comes to a 21 year old kid making mistakes (laughs) and and again too it's to me it's it's it does depend a little bit on the Seahawks internal investigation in this and the PIs and all the background that they do out of Met Georgia and all that stuff would factor into it too as well. I wouldn't want to make it on just a decision of this one situation or just in general unnamed sources as much, you know, me Megan, as much data as possible. King Bomber says, I think this is good for us. We could possibly land Carter at five now. Maybe, maybe John just loves him that much. You, you never know. You, you do never know. Kyle says, what do you think about Jalen Carter's arrested? It is a red flag, Kyle. It wouldn't be enough to me to put him into the, into the Malcolm Malik McDowell boat of things quite yet. I can't quite get there. Jack says, John brought up a character at his presser yesterday. I think they pass on Carter myself that's that's my feeling too that's why i was trying to differentiate between a little bit of like here's john thinking here's my thinking because i understand john's thinking on it i as i'm not not i i'm not mad at him if he says look this is a organizational decision that's not just made based on a jalen carter it's made on the uh, confluence of all of us going through years of dealing with these guys in various places and the risk involved and the return and what tends to happen when you've got some of these uh, warning signs, or as someone else said, the red flags. So if he goes that route, I can get it. And certainly he's in, indicated that they've put that on a higher pedestal as far as the value that they put behind a player um, passing those 
you know, character marks. So it very may well, but they could also come back and say Jack with a two because it's not blatant. You know, they could come back and say, you know, he was the passenger in the car. He was trying to protect somebody, which is why his story changed. We believe him on that. The rest of his background stuff checks out, right? It could go that route too. But I agree with you that I would, if I was a bad man, I'd probably lean to him, probably putting him off the board. Uh, you did tell me so, Megan, that's true. George, do we even pick him now? It's hard to say. Like I said, it can kind of be one of those two ways. I think it's going to be, it, it will be, what it will be is if there was a minor amount of weight put into the PI work that was done on Carter, you know, on, on the talking to the coaches and all that other stuff. I, I think that that stuff becomes heavier in weight than ever before. And if there's even a bit of it that's going to lean in the direction of him being problematic in this direction of things, then that probably does nix him. AI uh, says, I cover two shell mastermind. Our defense was 27th. Yeah, but you also didn't do a lot of AI instilling the defense truly. So part of my part of my reasoning on this too is I'd like to go back to the 4-3 because you didn't institute the, the defense the way it needed to go. But yeah, defense also was 27th in, in certain degrees because of the lack of defensive personnel change and all that, but He's the guy that knows how to do it. And he got a lot, of that, a lot of that Chicago defense when he had probably more of a personnel built to what the defense requires. Raj Ho, how come no one asked Jody if Russell Wilson wanted Pete fired? How come no one asked Jody if... Jody, I don't think, has made herself available for an interview. I don't think she wants to answer that question. Uh, AI, we won't be drafting someone at five who is probably going to prison. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily... I uh, said, so it's hard to see on that. Got to see what happens with the uh, with the case. Her says, I'm a big believer in due process and not jump into conclusions until all evidence is provided. I am the, I am the same way on this. I'm going to be pretty consistent with this, folks, and I, I do really lean this way. I'm not a fan of mob justice. I'm really not. And different things happen at different times to deepen people for different reasons and people with different motivations for making things happen. And, you know, justice's system is not perfect, but it's, to me, it's better than mob justice. Essie Wolverine says, do we get... Do we get picks minority higher to Eagles? Um, no, I don't. I think the last I looked into that, they've got to be here for a couple of years, like two years to get the picks. And Desai was only here for one year. So I don't think that you get anything on that one. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for the $2 donation. Appreciate you, man. He says, misdemeanor charges, not criminal. That's important. Yeah, I, somebody's mentioning him going to prison. Like he's not going to prison, I wouldn't think, on this with misdemeanor charges. Um, even the, a decent, I would, I would guess, attorney is going to be able to probably get him off of this stuff. Again, absent, you know, those cameras showing him driving, and then even then, it's like, so he was then he was racing. You know, he didn't crash the car. He's racing. It doesn't necessarily. It's not a great look. Again, not a great look here. But from my standpoint, there is a bit of a difference to me of a young man doing something silly as a young man than than being again that's the indicative of exactly who his nature is so it is important jonathan they've the the charges do sound bad at first and then you notice the misdemeanor aspect you're like okay so 
I kind of just think about it too, just the timing of it. it's like they're hurting one of their prospects or Georgia, one of their best prospects they've had. And if, if there's been some maybe team-wide stuff going on there, which there is some stuff we, we hear about just a little bit with that, that may be okay. This is a way to kind of close that down. Nagasa says now we can get him even with a trade down maybe. You may be good. Maybe good. Make a great point, B. Innocent until proven guilty. Yep, you might be proven right on this at the end of the day with it. And I'll, if we come out to find out, as I say, if we don't pick him at five and we pass on him, then you're certainly proven right. This team would take him on pure talent basis alone at five if he's available to them. So if they if they move off him at that point, that is Nick of their background check said no. But uh, I don't know if they're just on this alone. I don't know if this is just going to be enough on his loan for him to say, well, no, that's bad character on that at that point. Or he's out of condition in this and the Dan Jeremiah reports, then he's absolutely out. I don't know. I don't know on that. Chrono says, our undrafted free agent, Scary Terry from two years ago, still hasn't gotten his day in court from his murder charge two years later. They dragged this stuff out, man. The court systems are not fast processes. Nubal says, I was already a bit down on Carter from a motivation and conditioning standpoint. That was definitely reports we heard from him, you know. Mark Robert Corn, how you doing, man? Says, hi and like and sub for this hard-working man. Tyree is my pick, then middle linebacker, and then center. Well, I think Tyree Wilson does become a little bit more of a likelier pick at this spot at five. He has definitely had some great interviews of the Combine. People are really raving about his mindset and mentality and the, the way he did interview, which is good to hear, Mark. Um, if I did miss your um, chat, when we when we do start these shows up, I usually about to have a half hour of like opening thoughts. So if I miss your chat on the top, it's usually, I just kind of happens when I then flip down. So uh, we tend to try to hold as we can off on the chat of any questions necessarily at the top because I might get them lost on that. I can get the donations in, but sometimes it chops them off if we got a lot of people in the chat, which we got a lot of people in the chat. So John says Carter is definitely going to fall. Uh, he lied to the cops. It doesn't matter if it's a misdemeanor. GMs are going to knock him. I agree with you. I agree with you there. Seattle 808 says quarterback or trade down. I love it, 808. Cronus says there's 0% chance Carter's case is going to be cleared before the draft. Bingo. As somebody said about scary Terry Tamarian, still waiting two years for his situation. Alexander says, kind of curious how meetings with teams went because I heard he got to have those before he left. Indeed, uh, Carter did have those meetings before he left with the teams. So we'll get a better feeling from them on that. There, there reportedly was no discussions regarding this situation in any of those personal meetings. So Carter didn't uh, offer anything up about it necessarily proactively. Probably got kind of sideswiped on this one, no pun intended, um, as well. So, you know. John says, uh, this even happened after McShay's character concerns comment. This even happened after. Well, no, the, the the car race thing happened beforehand, but probably was maybe some of what McShay's reports were coming from, John. That's probably where maybe some of it was being born from. Tommy says, well, the thing is, if he's willing to lie to save his tail, it shows he doesn't have personal responsibility that will hold him back. Look at what he did to, look at what it did to Russ. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe he was protecting a guy who was driving in the car. You know, maybe it was a really, maybe it was a friend driving. And he didn't want him to get him in trouble. I, I don't know. We'll see on that with the truth. Empire Coaches Dan Henley met with Seattle at the Combine and said the interview was dope. 
finding out Carol, finding Carol to be quite charismatic and funny. Is there fuel to that fire? It definitely seems as such. 100%. They could jump up and grab Henley in the second round even. Um, falling in love with them to that point, that degree. I would not be surprised. Um, and you may have to jump that high to get that guy because he is a guy that seems to be raising, rising on draft boards here through the post pros process and maybe one of the best, if not the best coverage linebacker in this draft, potentially. UA2K, you could argue Carter is a safer pick now. After his experience, he'll be on his best behavior and motivated to prove his detractors wrong. Uh, it wouldn't scare me off. I'm, 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 I'm not scared off on myself either, Yui. Uh, King Bomber, a Carter, a Carter with possible off-the-field issues with more or so good chance to get off easy or a Tyree Wilson or Miles Murphy who could just straight up bust. I'm, yeah, I'm, see, I'm still Carter. <laughs> Dear point. When you put it that way, uh, Seattle 808 says Carter equals Malik McDowell. Don't make the same mistake, at least with a higher pick. Valid. It's a valid approach. If this was a, a, a better draft, there's just a better option there than looking at Tyree Wilson. You know? Tommy uh, says, question, do you throw a 21-year-old kid who was scared and dumb under the bus because he did something dumb or not? No, definitely don't. I don't. Alexander says, apparently Tyree interviewed great. Not sure if that includes an interview with us, though. He did. He did. Sam says, there's way more street races in the suburbs than the hood. <laughs> Laughing out loud. <laughs> I believe it. I do believe it. Nagasa says, don't forget Gino had a DUI and he's still our quarterback. Ooh, great point by Nagasa. I'd forgotten that. What do we have Gino doing? Like 120 or something like that last year? Drunk? Two years back? Team team overlooked that, gave him $7 million. So if they do that with Gino and that's willing there, would they not be willing to do the same thing with Jalen Carter? Maybe bigger investment in Carter, I guess, but I think that's I think that's a very good point, Nagasa. Robbie Red says, when does uh, free agency officially start? It officially is going to start on March 15th, Robbie, but you do have what's called the tampering period. No, that's not the tampon period, but tampering period. And that's where you're going to be having a chance to go negotiate with these guys and get really a deal done even that soon. So we'll be live streaming on this show during the tampering period because of the fact that's when deals are being announced. That's when really the news is breaking. Uh, you'll get the deals officially signed two days later, but you know a lot of what's going on even that early on. Brian Myers says Seattle uh, Carter did, did nothing to endanger anyone. He wasn't the driver. That's right. This is why it's important to let the facts come out of the case before we jumped in. And we don't know what's what or what drove off or what was, you know.
Uh, New Black says, why are there so many people still on the Carter train? There are other options. Same with other options than changing yourself, chaining yourself to 35 to $40 million genome contract. Um, agreed. Um, agreed. I, I think that there's a keen difference between looking at a Jalen Carter option at five and then looking at Jalen, then, then Geno Smith at the 34, 35, $40 million range on this. Um, I can't speak for everybody else's perspective on this new blacks, but I can provide mine because I would be one of my people in the camp, like you're saying, that would still be on the Carter train. Um, like we just talked about with Gino, you know, it's, it would seem to me that if, if we're taking the stand, suddenly the Carter's got to be out. We were, were we taking that same stand about Gino being on the team after his DOI? Well, I wasn't, I'm, it was not the, to me, it's not a great, it's a horrible look. It's the worst thing ever. I would never DUI. I'd be a guy Ubering all the time. I think it's stupid for people to be doing eyeing in this age. It's absolutely so ridiculous on so many levels and driving fast, even dumber. Um, but is it the thing at that point that negates you completely off my board because of that? No. Um, it's not, I, I, that's just my perspective on a new blacks. And, and again, as I, I lean on this, I think that there's people that are willing to jump to really fast conclusions in the situation without us knowing anything of what's really the truth here. We've got a charge. It's a misdemeanor charge. That's that in itself is not going to push me away from this. And, and the other thing with this is that the alternative options, the part of the thing with Gino and saying that is that here's some alternative options here that are one seventh the price that can give you nearly the same performance or close to a performance level of what he gives you. With Jalen Carter, he is truly the unicorn in this draft, in a draft that doesn't have a lot of unicorns. There's a lot of donkeys in this draft. There's a lot of donkeys with, with taped-on wings in this draft. And I don't know where that horn came from. You know what I mean? So, like, that's the problem here, too, is that the options at five kind of suck. And, and when you look at the other options, yeah, there's other options. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, man, if this was any other draft, I'd be loving this number five pick position. But right now it's it's a little light it feels a little light going with some of the options that are sitting there right now but that's just my perspective new blacks i can't speak for everybody on on that one you know uh kevin low nice thank you for the five dollar donation kevin appreciate you he says okay i'm now willing to trade back from five for a first next year i don't like this year's draft I don't either, Kevin. It's uh, It's been my just one, two, three punch. You know, one punch is I wanted Carter or Anderson. That seems to be off the board now. The number two punch for me was to trade back in in the scope of looking for the first round pick into next year's draft, future first round picks, future draft picks. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I've looked, I think, through, it's got to be darn near 150, if not a little bit over 150 prospects, the top prospects in this draft, as I've been told out there universally. And I, I just find myself continuing to come away from the draft tape left wanting. There are strong positional groups, but they're not necessarily strong positional groups for things we need. And the guys that are talked about where we're going to be picking at five are, are just don't elicit the kind of excitement that they should when you're picking this high. And that, if that's the case, then the best alternative to me really is, is let's just move back then. Move back, get the extra future first round picks and other drafts that are going to be stronger and better and more solidified than this one will when the NIL situation at the very least kind of starts to stabilize out just a little bit. I'm with it, Kevin. I'm with it completely. Thank you for the $5 dono though, man. Appreciate you. Randall McDaniel with another $20 donation. Randall dropping the double 20s tonight. Thank you, my man. I really, really, really do appreciate it. You are very kind. Says if Carter is charged with reckless driving, it'll be reduced. Most first-time DUI are dropped to reckless for first time. 
unless there's some enhancement in Georgia, if it involves drag racing, unless it involves drag racing, he's probably in for a fine. Agreed. When it all will boil down, I think that the, the tough part will come down, Randall, as somebody else said on this, the, the, the difficult part for Jalen Carter is that he doesn't get the day in court until probably long into the future. And that that, because as we're seeing even in the chat here, just simply having these charges presented is enough for many in their mind to say you are guilty. Um, right or wrong, wherever you stand, there's certainly plenty of people out there willing to say this guy's, this guy's, that's enough for me. I know he must be guilty. I heard these rumors about character concerns and now I hear this. So he absolutely did it. It was him. And uh, that being the case, it's going to, as other people said, it's going to submerge him with general managers as well and hurt his stock in that way because people will jump to these kind of conclusions with it. But um, whether that ends up being the end of it or not, you know, the damage will be done. Look at Lyle Collins a couple of years ago, you know, enters the draft just like Laramie Tunsil enters the draft. And there's these like, well, is he, he's a murder suspect in this, in this uh, investigation into his girlfriend's death, you know, and, and that just drops, I think like the day of the draft, the day before the draft. And then it comes out that, you know, never charged or anything like that, but the damage was done. He was a seventh round pick, I believe by Dallas in that draft or somewhere in the, into the depth of that draft. Guy was a first round talent. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't expect people, I'm, I'm not going to ask people to necessarily come to my side on this at all, or even try to debate to bring people into where I think with this, as far as like, Hey, let, let the law play out. Let's not jump to conclusions. I, I know better than to ask people not to do that, but it's not going to be the tack that I take. And I probably won't in, in the way where I ever look at a player, not really be taking that tact with any guy. Um, unless we've got a lot of something tangible behind it, especially when it's a young guy, um, Kids are going to be kids. Kids are going to do dumb stuff. You can count on it. I was no different. Randall, like you said, you were no different. None of us are indifferent, you know, and I know neither you nor I are looking to throw rock, you know, rocks in glass houses here, you know, but Randall, thank you for the double $20 donation, brother. Appreciate you, man. You know, I do. And I think all your points on this are valid and salient. Empower, let's not judge the man's character when we don't know how it all went down. It's not ideal. Yes, but that's as far as it should go at this point. Greed. Uh, Jacob Davis says, so are we not drafting Carter if he falls to the fifth? I know Desai is the main topic of this video, but my main focus is on Carter Fiasco. It's hard to say, Jacob. That's kind of, I think we're all trying to contemplate on this a little bit. Um, and there's kind of strong arguments arguments to be made for why it could go one or the other. You know, you got the one being, hey, didn't you pass it over with Gino? You overlooked it on that. Um, would you overlook it on this if it's just a one-off situation in your background check on Carter? We don't know what the rest of the background check looks like from the Seahawks perspective on this. Um, we'll probably get more of a view of this as we go forward or a clear view of this as we go forward. But uh, it, it's kind of hard to say at this point. And we can talk about it. It doesn't have to be just about the topic of Desai. I get we're, there's going to be people want to talk about a lot of different stuff going on right now.
Green 80 says, Bezos wants to buy a team and Dan Snyder hates Bezos. Bezos will buy Seattle. That's a great way of logically putting it, man. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Herbicide says, I remember doing 170 on my street bike over I-90 Bridge. Not for everybody, but I had fun. Yeah, I, it's, you know, young. I, I, it's, I'm not saying that it's like should be a rite of passage for every young men, but I mean, you know, you're young. You think you're immortal. You do stupid stuff. You know, and these guys, I'm, I'm not trying to just pass it all off, but I'm saying like, please understand, this is also why I'm not willing to just crucify a guy either on the other end of it. It's like, I, I get what, I get where people, I get where young men are at at that age, uh, you know, and testosterone's flowing every different direction and top life. And it's like, it's, you know, it's one thing to try to give those kind of guys advice at the moment versus you know, living through it. And you, sometimes you have your close calls and you get past other guys don't get their close calls and stuff happens. And, uh, no, but I know this is going to be a, this is going to be all a bit of a hot topic with it. You know, it's going to be a hot one. Mason says, I think Levis will be the number one pick out of the four quarterbacks. He's got the second highest upside. And in my opinion, he's the second highest, most pro ready. There it is, man. Mason, I could see it happening too. Uh, he's right. We don't know if Carter was drunk or not. He was not tested. So. Nagasa says the police said he wasn't drunk. Okay. Empower says it's pointless going back and forth over unconformed details. Be patient. Wait for things to, before coming out before jumping conclusions. Exactly. Zach DeMundo. Danny W says Georgia PD took Tamarian Terry from us. They waited four years to charge him. Georgia PD has a track record of, oh, we can't win this case. Cool. Let's just win the court of public opinion and derail his career. Exactly, Daniel. I, I mean, the Tamarian case, the fact that things still not going to trial when they did what they did to that kid and, and threw his career off as they did. Like, you're going to charge him for murder at that point, kill a kid's career, be sure of it. Beyond just being sure of charging anybody with murder, don't just sort of like, well, you know, it'll go to jury and probably won't, but we'll just kind of just, you know. We'll still make him suffer some pain anyway for just, like you said, court of public opinion. And the timing on this one, folks, is a little suspect. It's a little suspect. Jonah, I was listening to a newscast. I was saying that it wasn't Jalen Carter that was drunk. It was the other guy. Yes, it was the other guy that died in the car crash that was drunk and confirmed. It doesn't necessarily mean Jalen Carter was. Ethan Tech World, yo, Brandon, you got to warn me if you're streaming. I've got Ethan. I posted, uh, I posted a couple weeks ago on the community post the schedule for the stream over the next month, man. So I've got to, I, I, I did that. I should, I let everyone know. Um, Jonas says, I don't think we trade back for anything. We stay at the picks we have and take the best available, regardless of who it is. I would actually be happy with any of these guys with the fifth pick. It's good, not a bad way to go either, man. We'll still get a good player no matter what we do at five if we stay there and just take a guy. That's for sure. Mason says, what do you think of the notion that our front office has no problem taking players with character concerns? It seems like that hasn't been the case since the Malik McDowell pick. Uh, indeed. I don't think that I could look at one guy since Malik McDowell that they've selected in the draft and said, this is a character concern guy you're taking a risk on here. Every guy that they've drafted has been pretty on on point in that respect of things. So uh, it, this could be something if they've taken a hard line approach with that, 
and said, we're no longer going to take the risks on this. This would be enough to, to, to remove them from wanting that risk. Um, if that's where they stand, we just don't know exactly of where they sit with it. But um, remember with Malik too, it wasn't just an off the field incident thing. It was also with the interviews he gave and with the background checks they did and with the totality of it all kind of adding up to seeing that one coming down the tracks a little bit, as opposed to it being kind of a something crazy happened, you know? Tommy says, everyone plays with cars in the, in the South. We do love our fast cars. That is what I was trying to say. It's culture here. Well, it goes back to that moonshine stuff, right, Tommy? It's all that moonshining, trying to get away from the law, Dukes of Hazard. Just some good old boys. Have made the home. The only way they know how. That's just a little bit more than the law will allow. Uh, will Anderson to AR-15. I would be happy with any of them at five. Could you imagine we got four quarterbacks that go one, two, three, four, and then we get Will Anderson? <laughs> it all ends up play, just playing out like that. Uh, he says the other driver was a young woman who was a student and football program employee in a vehicle rented by the school. She had three football players as passengers. Carter and her were driving recklessly. Recklessly. Kyle Michael, Jalen Carter wasn't, was racing. He wasn't drunk or drugs on, he wasn't drunk or on drugs or beating his girlfriend or legally carrying firearms. There we go, Kyle. And there is, I think, a difference between what he's doing to what could be some other much more heinous offenses. Heinous. Black says he also allegedly has a speeding ticket from fall. Well, that's not good. Jordan for R14, he says he obviously likes the pedal to the metal. That's what our D needs. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Uh, Jacob Davis says, what Jalen did was really stupid. Thank God he didn't get anybody killed. Hopefully, he learns from his mistake. Hopefully so. Nate says, so get another defensive line in the second round. Uh, maybe I mean, they could still attack you that number five overall pick, Nate. So it's hard to say on that one. I mean, they're probably, I think they're going to double down in this draft. So I think you're getting a couple defensive linemen. You go first and second or second and, you know, you go a variety of different plays, but they're going to go, they're going to at least take two, maybe even three when it's all said and done. Tommy says, I bet you every weekend, everyone around here is doing something involving a fast car or a big truck in the mud in the South. It's just what we do here. Not condoning it, just explaining how it's part of here. Well, I, I think I'd like to echo a little bit of, of Tommy's sentiments on this for folks, you know, having lived all around this country, I can attest to the fact that there's, there's different cultures in different places that do different things. And it's, it might be harder for people in Pacific Northwest to hear some of these stuff and go, cause it's like, we don't relate to it. I mean, we don't really have drag racing out there in Everett, you know, nobody's, nobody's, you know, hauling down I-5. You can't go fast and there's too much traffic, you know, but maybe being a little bit more part of the, the Southern culture there just a little bit. I, I could see that. Robert, my brother Pennington. What's up, Rob? It's good to see you, my brother. It says, hey, bro, when you post in that vid, I don't care about Carter's missteps. I just want him at five. Uh, I posted it yesterday, Rob. The other, the other vid, it got posted. 
you and I are bro- you and I are blood, and we think alike on this one, man. Doesn't it's not scaring me off. <laughs> not this alone. Tommy Eaton's aside, no people were just racing in Austin too. It's going around the country right now for some reason. Oh goodness, too many fast, too many Fast and Furious movies. If anything should kill the Fast and Furious franchise at this point, should not it be this? I ask you. I ask you. Do, 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 do. Uh, New Blacks is just an FYI. In September, Carter got a ticket from going 89 in a 45 zone. It's not good. Mr. Tubbs says, I want Carter. It's a traffic violation. <laughs> Since he says, I didn't want Carter before, for sure now, now, for sure not now. I understand there'll be a, there'll be a, and folks on either side understand that there's going to be probably pretty, pretty uh, uh, vibrant disagreement on this between the two camps on this. Um, and I don't think either camp's necessarily going to get the other one on board with it. Uh, do, 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 do. Mason's is the part that burns me out more in regards to the Carter news is the fact that it makes it less likely the quarterback we like is available. That's a very good point, man. Daniel says people worship athletes too much. Imagine you crashed and you're dying and a best friend cousin saw you and said, uh, F you, I'm out of here. If he knew that's unforgivable. If he didn't then no, then okay. I, I think again, Daniel, from my standpoint of it is it's, it's, you know, and I, again, I'm not trying to pass off anything he might've done or not done. I, I, we don't know what he did. Um, number one, as you say, we don't know. Um, but the other thing with this too, is, is you know, you got a 21 year old kid who's got his life ahead of him. He's got everything. Pre- and, and in that moment, this crazy thing happens and we want him to act like a, a complete calm adult and make the complete right decision in that moment. And, you know, you panic and do something, you know, like it's not, it doesn't, again, it's not to, it's not to necessarily condone it, but to call it unforgivable at that point or, or that there's not an understandable, I don't know. I, I can't get to that spot on it. I think young kids make mistakes and, you know, it depends on the mistake. Certainly it depends on the number of times a mistake has been made. Um, but at the same point in time, I, I can't quite do the you know, toss them away stuff at the end of the day on that type of stuff. I mean, the black says dude was almost going 45 speed limit in September and got a ticket was somewhat involved in this incident. I'm in January and supposedly there was another or one or two outside there within the past year. Well, I guess I say is that if the accumulation of this comes through with the private investigators, then, and it, and it all adds up to the fact that he is a risk, then he's a risk, but I would lean on to that as much as anything. Cause at least that's a totality of investigation that's gone on rather than, a single incident. AI says Bobby's going to want at least ten million for the way he, the way we did him. Discount will be partial now. Yeah, probably so. Ryan says Carter will not spend much time in jail. It's a mistake. Hopefully, he learns from it. I hope so too. Oh, I'm a little bit behind on the donation. Sorry. Uh, Kevin Mullen, 
Thank you for the $5 donation. Says, uh, late to the party. If you were to go offense with first our first four picks, who would they be and at what spot, assuming no trade downs, etc.? Dig the show, sir. Well, thank you, Kevin Mullen. I love that. That's a very inventive question there. So if I was to go with offense and offense had to be my first four picks in the draft and I don't get to do any trade downs, so I just have to take offense. Like, no doubt, no doubt about it. I got to take offense. Hmm. Man, that's a great question. Uh, so I guess at number five, I'm probably going to take Anthony Richardson at that point. So I am anticipating that we're going to be Kevin seeing three other quarterbacks go at the top, and I'm going to anticipate it's going to be those other three quarterbacks that go ahead of him. And so then Anthony becomes the best value to me there. Um, the, the two other guys that I'm considering offensively, there would be Bijan and, um, even Skaronsky, who I would then kick into guard, but I, I can't go that route with it. So we'll go Anthony Richardson with the first at 20. I would go with Schmitz, the center, uh, out of, um, Minnesota. So I go quarterback center. Uh, then I would go with. Good, good questions here. Uh, then I'll go ahead and go with in the second round, at the top of the second round, I'll go with Jameer Gibbs. And with the next pick in the second round, because you're making me go all offense here. So the next pick I would go with in the second round would then be um, <clears throat> well, Darnell Washington or Nathaniel Dell. How about that? So there you go, Kevin. There's my there's my four stack for you. <laughs> there's my four stack. But uh, thank you for the kind comments and the donation to the channel, man. So Richardson, Schmitz, um, Jameer Gibbs, and then one of Darnell Washington or, or Dell, who's ever on the board at that point. I'll go with one of those two. If I got to go all offense, if I could go super offense. Appreciate you, man. Garb Knight, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you as well, man. It's good to see you in the chat too. And thanks for the donation the other night on the uh, video I posted. That was awesome of you. It says, Brando, just got here. Give me all you know on this Carter thing. How's, how, far, how far he falls. Um, so the bottom line on it is that the, 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 this, the, the, big, the big problem from this comes from the fact that he was... Um, left the scene and he's given differentiating reports to the cops on whether or not he was behind the car that crashed where people were die ahead of him, whether he was alongside the car, whether he was drag racing the car. But from the police standpoint on this Garth, you know, they're, they're presenting that he was essentially drag racing with, with the kid that was, you know, with the people that were killed in the other car <clears throat> and uh, lying about it that they got proof and they supposedly have surveillance cameras which again, I'm, I'm a little bit reticent to believe that's going to prove a whole lot, folks. I, I do IT work and deal with these video cameras and stuff, and you, you like to think of them all being 4K. You can't really see a whole lot. It's, it, ain't, it ain't like necessarily always that super clear, but maybe they got the right camera showing the right thing, and that'll be that what will prove this out or disprove it, Garth, is if there's a camera that shows him. But at the end of the day, Garth, it's two misdemeanor charges, um, so it's not, you know, a felony offense or anything like that. But... 
it's certainly going to hinder and hurt and harm his uh, draft stock in a big way. And I would expect him, Garth, to probably have a Laramie Tunsil-like fall in this draft where he's taken late teens, early 20s. But he will probably still be selected in the draft. And Garth, you're not going to get any resolution to it before the draft. That's kind of the, the up and the down on it a little bit with that one. So wouldn't scare me off, Garth, but many in the chat are definitely at this point uh, out on, I got to acknowledge there's definitely a, a good contingent of our, our Hawk our Hawk folks in here that are saying they're out on him at this point with it, Garth. But um, you know with me, I tend to be a little bit, I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit on that before I get to that point. I might get there eventually, but I want a little bit more, I want to understand a little bit more of what's going on with him and, and who he is and all that off the field stuff with that. Uh, thank you though, Garth, with the $5 dono. Mumbles with another, with a $5 dono as well. Appreciate you, Mumbles. Says, hey B, any thoughts on what the Hawks do to replace Desai? He seemed like an integral part of trying to craft that 3-4-D and losing him has me worried. I, I think it's rightful to have you worried. There's not a guy on the staff that necessarily knows how to run this Vic Fangio defense, especially from the, from the coverage standpoint of things. Um, in the way that he can. Uh, Carl Scott can probably provide you a little of that because you brought him on with Sean Desai last year a little bit and helping the staff out there. But there is no doubt about it. You've got to bring somebody in to replace him who understands this defense or Mumbles go back to the 4-3 defense. Uh, I'd like to see kind of the latter more than the former. But I think that the name that stands out to me at the head of this is Ed Donatel. He knows the Vic Fangio cover two shell defense to, to the nth degree, every bit as, as well as Desai does. And he's got a connection with Coach Carroll. They go back, they're friends, they're buddies. They go back. It's probably one of those like, I've known him three decades, you know. Bop, 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 bop. So I, it, it could be Donatello's kind of the straightforward one. But to me, the best answer here is going back to the 4-3 defense and calling it a day at that point, in my opinion. Thank you, though, for the $5 donation. And you're right. It's a very important hire now to have to, to figure out what they're going to do with Desai. It's not simply a matter of just, we'll bring anybody in. You know, you already didn't, didn't exactly run it from an implementation standpoint very cleanly last year. You know, you need to get even cleaner, not going further away from that and having it be even rougher or trying Carol to even go more to like making it a an amalgamation of his old defense and this new defense, you know, rather than, you know, sticking to one thing pure. Uh, Garth, thank you for another $5 donation. Uh, appreciate you for that. He says, I got to take my hat off to Megan though. She's been banging this drum as hard as Sherman and McAfee bang that. I hate number three rust drum. No props to Megan. She had a feeling on this one. I thanks for the donation. I appreciate it, Garth, but, uh, there's no denying, you know, Megan was definitely out ahead of this as uh, being very, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything with Megan that was about necessarily this stuff on tape with Carter. I think a little bit of reticence with his tape. He didn't love a lot of that, but also, She's been on with the character stuff. So um, certainly that is uh, got to be at least a little bit validating in that respect of things and that that's that's come through on it. We'll see what this though. We'll see how it plays off, but uh, she will definitely get a, you'll get a tip of the hat, Megan, if we pass on Jalen Carter at five, because that's the reason we're passing that point is it's all character concerns. All character concerns. Go Ox 2023 says, how many suspensions will Jalen Carter have in his career? Character in question, as you know, big red flag. See how this comes about, dismissed. Uh, see how this comes about, dismissed, or more charges coming? I don't really know there's more charges coming. Um, I think that, I don't know about being dismissed, probably pled down to a lesser charge is the worst that will happen to 
the best thing happening to him being dismissed. Um, it won't be decided about. It won't be decided upon. Go Hawks before the draft. So it will remain open-ended through that time period. But the damage will have been done by that point, of course. Um, I, I, it's, it's not as much for me the red, red flag because I don't, I, I, need to, I need to be like what Schneider's going to get. Schneider's going to get a full report on his desk from the PI that they have on the case on Carter. Because any guy they're looking to pick in the top five, they got, they got a private investigator. They're going to have to go do their due diligence, right? And then he's going to talk to the head coaching staff and talk to the other coaches and talk people into the building and, tr- and then have their sources throughout the rest of college football that they can rely upon. He's going to bring on all that. That's beyond some police report or some police charge. All that comes in and then make your determination off that. I, I'm not going to make it off just kind of one thing or nebulous reports about work ethic. It's, it's got to be, this is where he is. This is who he is. And I don't think any of us know that stuff, you know? Uh, New Blacks, he drives too fast, just going 90 and a 45, just just meh. It's not a good look. New Blacks says, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to pass it off too much. I think what Tommy was trying to talk about was the fact that it's a culture thing down there. And and like I said, it's it it can be maybe from understanding of folks in different places of this country where that's not as much a common place. Well, maybe that's the thing to consider about this part. Um, you know, do I do I think he's going to go out there on the roadways now and, and be blistering the the streets here once he becomes a pro because he's got he's got some speeding tickets in college? No. Do I think he's also new blacks? The only kid that's probably John drives really fast in college as a probably not. You know. But I I gotta say too I get the people that this is a red flag and this is enough to push them off. I get it if you're in that place of things. I wouldn't push back too much on that because I understand that you know you're picking this high. You got to be careful. You don't want to take a characteristic if you don't have to. Uh, El Abi, hi, go Hawks from La Havana, Cuba. Well, El Habe, hello, man. Thank you so much for checking out the Hawks Nest. I do appreciate you. Brady says, was he driving? I don't think the shoe has landed yet. In Washington State, you get vehicular manslaughter homicide. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the rules are necessarily in Georgia. I think that they would have probably presented those charges with how long they've taken to present these charges in the first place on him if they were really thinking that that was something that was in play at that point. So I, I, would, I would offer to guess that that's probably not the case. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty rare that they're just going to sort of soft sell some of these charges and then just keep adding more for the hell of it. They're going to throw at you what there is to sort of throw at you. Uh, I don't know about the whether he's driving or not. I, I don't have you know, confirmation on that, but they do have video cameras, surveillance cameras. They'll be able to tell, you know, one way or another. Herbicide says, Gino got a DUI. Look at beast mode. Beast mode's got a couple of them. Didn't beast mode have one that led to a, uh, beast mode was pretty, one was pretty serious, wasn't it? Uh, DVN someone died died is the problem and he already had a stigma before this happened that's the issue yeah it's the look of this as much as anything else true or false it's the, the look of it will be what hurts him at the most on this Nagasa says another example is the linebacker who played in our last game AJ Johnson accused falsely of rape didn't get drafted he skipped four years now he is in the NFL yeah, happened another guy, I believe, that was like a Coach Carroll recruit back in the day. We had him on. Remember, that guy served uh, some time for something similar of that back in the day. 
Uh, Mumbles, thank you for another $5 donation. Appreciate you. Says, would you rather try the 3-4 still? Uh, the 4-3 really hasn't done us much. Uh, it does. Uh, let me read it. Sorry, I'm like burping here. Uh, would you rather try the 3-4 still? The 4-3 recently hasn't done as much for us of any good, and I'd rather burn out than do something that we already know doesn't work. It's a great question, Mumbles, and thank you for the double donation uh, on top of the fantastic questions. This is what it comes down to me. Uh, when I when I look at the four three failures recently, the simplified coverages are a big part of it, no doubt about it. Your lack of blitzing is a big part of it, no doubt about it. But I don't know that those things were really being covered last year anyway, as it was. And when you look at the failures of the four three defense before the four three under defense that we ran for years here with Carroll, it was. Yes, a lack of talent, but also not putting the right resources in the right place. And that is if you're not going to blitz, then you need to get the front four that can generate pressure on the quarterback. See what the Eagles did this past year, where a lot of those sacks that they're getting are from their, their front line guys. They're just getting the job done, winning up front. And Seattle always seemed to kind of soft sell that portion of their defense on a yearly basis where they were never really driving, driving for enough talent there to really be a threat against teams' offenses is to be able to really generate that pressure. And not just generate pressure, but to generate quick pressure. So if they wanted to go back to the 4-3 unit and do something that they haven't done going back to the Legion of Boom days, right, Mumbles? Because Legion of Boom days, you had Bruce Irvin, and you had Brandon Mabane, and you had Chris Clemens. And, you know, you had a couple guys you felt okay about as far as pass rushers. But, you know, then you, and Bruce Irvin was here. And um, then you still went out and took Cliff Averill. You still went out and got uh, Michael Bennett. You know, you didn't just stop short. You pressed past just doing enough and went well beyond it. And that's what they need to do with their, their, their front seven going in the future, their front four, especially if they were to go to 4-3 defense. And so I look at the failure of the 4-3 defense. Yeah, bad drafting was some of it. Some of it was misapplied resources, but some of it was also the lack of Coach Carroll remembering that the 4-3 defense, if it's going to be one that you're not going to blitz from, needs is going to be driven wholly by what those front four guys get done. It's nice to have all the snazzy stuff on the back end, but you need the front four dogs getting their job done up front or else it isn't going to work. And that's to me where they could, oh, to me, what's the tougher thing to do here, I guess, Mumbles? Onboard a defense that you were slow to onboard last year that brought you diminished, that didn't bring you any of the returns you were hoping to get, while also still having to basically whole hog change over your front seven completely to accommodate this new scheme, or go back to the old scheme and bury more resources into your pass rush. And if I look at it as what's the harder, what's the easier, what's the more quintessential approach to take, I go, I'll go that one back to the 4-3. And maybe it's maybe the 4-3's days are done being an elite defense or the Coach Carroll 4-3 under defense's days are being done being elite. But at least we can get out of being a back-end defense. At least we can get back to stopping the run and turning teams into one-dimensional attacks. And we can get back into more of a position of dictating the terms to the offense rather than them dictating the terms to us which at least that's a beginning point for a defense, which right now your defense as it stands going forward is not particularly exotic, doesn't blitz very much, runs a lot of soft zone coverages that are easy for quarterbacks to pick apart, doesn't particularly stop the run very well. I mean, we, we can continue to go down through this list. doesn't tackle, like <laughs> you go through the list. It's it's just not not the greatest right now as it stands. And so some of this stuff you can fix and cover up because you have a lot of the personnel on your team right now that does fit a 4-3 defense. And it'd be, it would be a, a more seamless, easier, I think, transition if they wanted to take and go that route with it. So I'm, 
I'm in favor of that at this point. Nolan Arvance, thank you for the $5 donation. Sorry if it was sorry if you already spoke on it. Uh, John Schneider's press conference at the Combine, he spoke highly about triple safety, big nickel types of D. Love the flexibility. Understandable why that's on his, on his mind. I didn't actually think I touched on this one much, but definitely understandable why this is on his mind, Nolan. You have right now in NFL offenses, a, a high utilization of these guys that could be tight end, bigger type receivers on the inside. So now when you've conventionally had the 5'9", five, 5'10", five, slot corner, he's going to get cooked up inside if you don't have a guy with some height and length to match up against some of the bigger matchups that you then get you know, inside on that. And then you also tend to like to have at that point the ability to get a guy that can tackle, right? So you're, you can't have a pure corner. You look for a safety type that can act with some linebacker kind of instincts. You know, it's, it's a little bit of the ideal you would look for, but it's hard to find. It is really, really tough to find that guy. I think what jumps out to John with this draft, um, maybe beyond being big nickel types, but, but, but that flexibility that you're talking about is that there's, there's three safeties in this draft that are like that kind of guy, if not more so. I mean, he might be, he might view even more beyond that, but it certainly stands out to me that Brian Branch, Jammer, Jamie Robertson, and Sidney Brown are three guys that that give you that. You, they can come play slot. They can they can play the the safety position. They could probably all play some free safety in addition, and they play those positions. They're they're a, they can have an effect in those spots. Again, maybe not as much the big the big nickel types with that as much their mumbles, but. That's the harder one to find because who, who do you find that can be that bigger guy on the inside that can then match through it? Maybe this is a little bit why, or Nolan, maybe this is a little bit why Nolan too, they've leaned into having Kobe down there because he has it 6-1. So they they have put a little bit more size in there on that nickel and he's a pretty good tackler too. But uh, I could see them looking at one of these safeties in this draft, Nolan, one of these three guys that I talked about because of that flexibility. It's it's when you get a two for one in, in, a, in a single position in a weakened draft, a draft not as strong, that's got to be a that's got to be a draw for Schneider at that point. So, I get it and Nichols becoming more and more an important position in it. It is becoming basically a de facto starter. So, yeah, trip trip we've talked trip safety being the next evolution here Nolan, right? The trip safety being the one where it's you know you have the draw from before you'd you'd have it to where you'd, you'd be in base, you left base with the evolution of football to go now to have the slot corner on the field instead of the extra linebacker. And now the next evolution of the sport is moving that slot linebacker out for a guy who's essentially a safety type with a safety mentality, with a safety skill set, who can cover like a slot corner. That's the next evolution of the position as we go forward. And it's exciting. It's where the game's going. And I can see why it's, it's great to hear that he's looking for it too. But appreciate you, Nolan. Thank you for the dono. Uh, Kevin Mullen uh, with another $5 donation. I appreciate you as well, man. Thank you so much. It says, uh, my five offensive guys would be AR-15 at number five. Love it. Uh, Bijan Robinson at number 20. Love it. Uh, number 37 would be Dewan Jones, uh, right tackle out of, uh, what was it, Tennessee. Uh, 51, Josh Downs out of North Carolina. And then I'd consider moving Lucas to right guard. Now do your first four for just defense. Okay. And by the way, I'm not a big fan. I, I love all your guys you drafted. I would be way more on board, Kevin, with wanting to move DeWan Jones to guard than I would Abraham Lucas. Um, so if, if we're moving one guy or the other, move him. Lucas is legit six foot seven, like, and even I think a bit of change. He's not a natural bender. 
You, you put a guy 6'7", who's not a natural bender on the inside of the line, and he's going to lose the lever and, and he's going to lose the leverage war a lot. And that can be okay. You can have a six foot seven guy that loses the leverage war like a DJ Fluker. But now then he either needs to be a guy with a lot of mass to him, or he's got to be a guy with a lot of pow- pure power to him to then operate from that inside point, losing that leverage war like that all the time. I'm not certain that Lucas is going to be able to pull that off. I'm really not with that one. So I, that, I'm, I'm just reticent with it. I think maybe even Dewan could probably do more of that if you want to kick him in. Um, rather than Lucas, especially after Lucas had the year he had, Kevin. I mean, why want to? Do you really want to do the Damian Lewis thing to him at this point, where you know you're kind of it's like redo on that a little bit, where you get a finally get a good season from a young guy, and then you're 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 moving him over to somewhere else. You know, you're like uh, I don't know, but I love I love Dewan Jones, so don't get me wrong, I do. And uh, Josh Downs is a fun receiver. I think he is a dynamic slot at the next level, um, but that's about the right spot, probably right around where he will go. Love your first two picks, though, man. Those are awesome. Um, what would be my first four if I took just four defensive players only with the first four picks purely, who would, who would they be? So, uh, I'm not going to yet be scared away by Carter. So I will say Carter still at five at 20. All right. So at 20, I would go with, um, Well, the hell with it. Let's say we'll go 20. We'll go Brian Branch. And then with the first, second round pick, I would go with. Hmm. Trying to see who would be legitimately there. So uh, with the next pick, I'll go with. uh, I know my second second round pick is going to be. I'm trying to think of my first first round pick will be. Um, all right, we'll just go double down. So I'll go Keanu Benton, and then I'll go with Dan Henley with the second fourth round pick. So Carter, where do I go with that? I go Carter, Carter, Brian Branch, Dan Henley, and uh, Keanu Benton. Out of Wisconsin. That's my list for you on that one, Kevin. Thank you, though, for the dono. Uh, Henry Mars with a $2 donation. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate it. Uh, Nadamakan Sue is a free agent. Would you sign him? I probably wouldn't. He's, he's really up there at this point, Henry. And, you know, he waited through half the year to sign. I think didn't want to go through training camp last year anyway and was just kind of waiting to sign with a quote-unquote winner. So this is a guy that we're maybe the answer is more of you don't have to make you don't have to really make the call on that one right now as it is. I don't know if he's looking to play a full season in the NFL. Maybe again just goes back and says, hey, if somebody wants me to come off the couch in late October and early November, I'll come out there and I'll I'll help him on a stretch run from a rotational basis. I'm open to that for us at that point to then bring him in then. But I wouldn't look to sign him to any kind of money this offseason or make him any kind of free agent. He's he's not the same player he once was. And certainly a guy that's got to kind of just pick his spots now more than give you a consistent, real, true player, even on a rotational basis, down there inside. So if if we can wait and pull the trigger down the road on that one, then I'm I'm okay with it then for, you know, like vet minimum type stuff at that point, right? Nothing, nothing too, nothing too large. But 
it could be an interesting move down there, going down that way with it. But I think he's probably going to retire, Henry, at the end of the day. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 dono. And uh, Garth and anybody else that was looking for it, I am trying to set up my P.O. box. Uh, and I went in the P.O., I went in the post office today and there was like a line nearly out the door. So I did post a address in the description section, Garth. So if you're looking for something to send, you can send to that address. But I left the particulars down in the description section where if you guys do want to send me something from... Uh, a mailing standpoint, I will be able to receive it from that address. So uh, going to still get the PO box set up, but I didn't have 45 minutes today to wait in line for uh, them to get through all those people. I was like, is it Christmas or something? Isn't this, isn't it March? Uh, but Garth, thank you for another $5 donation, man. I really do appreciate it. I hope you're doing well tonight. So if Carter fell to number 20, would Pete wrestle with John to select him? I guess we'll find out who's the top of the totem pole if this scenario presents itself. <laughs> Can you picture it, Garth? We get the war camera and uh, you got you got Schneider who's got the card and he's got it lifted up and, and he's got the phone to try to tell it to the people on the floor, right? At the draft and Carol's reaching for the card to try to get it and, and he's yelling at him. <laughs> and they have to like sweep, cut it. There's like the camera sweeps away and they cut away from the shot just as we catch that for the moment. But yeah, I think I think uh, knowing Coach Carroll, he would have a, a, probably an embolism if he was sitting there at 20 and Carter still on the board. I can't think that he'd be looking at that defensive talent going, you know, well, we just got to trust our... Uh, uh, just got to trust our character report. Oh, we got to trust it. Mm, boy, we just got to... Those, those PIs, John. Oh, they do good work, don't they? The best, Pete. The best, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 20, though. Who else are we getting? Uh, Isaiah Foskey here, Pete. That's our pick. Or Carter? Yeah, it's one of those two. <laughs> oh. It's going to be tough, man. That's going to be tough, Garth, to be last that far. And he, it could. It could get to the... I, I don't... I'm just saying it, it's possible. It is possible. Uh, low rider Chev 64 says Kent used to have one of the biggest street racing scenes on the West coast. No, I didn't know that. Learn a little something about your home place every day, I guess. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Daniel says Tamari and Terry's charges were dropped. Uh, Google that phrase to see man. F. Georgia PD. Man, F the Georgia PD. It was so obvious they had nothing on him and they wasted two years of his career out of spite. Bring him back. I'd love to see the team reach back out to Tamarian. Um, it has been a couple of years, but uh, the guy had a sensational amount of talent. Um, and, and a guy had special teams value on top of being a good receiving prospect. But it sucks the way they did him, that's for sure. Uh, Greedy does this. Says, Didn't Bruce Irvin have paperwork? He did. He did, he broke, did, had, had a background of breaking into houses and stuff. Johnson's good news, guys, is there's going to be a really good, there's going to be a really good, exciting quarterback there for us or a chance to get a top first round pick next year. Yeah. No, nothing bad, all good on this.
Vlad, the impaler says, plus a good defensive tackle disrupts the pocket and forces the quarterback to move into not so beneficial positions that aid the edge. Run stuffing is a thing as well. It's true. Nagas says to give us a King's Ransom for the fifth and pick Kansi with a 4-3 defense. That'd be another great part of transitioning to the 4-3 defense is now you're open up to getting Kansi, who I like just buying Jalen Carter as far as a prospect, but only purely in a 4-3 defense. Vlad says, feel like the emphasis on edge has made people forget the importance of defensive tackles. Great point, man. Great point. Some Jake Hainer love from Herberside. Tommy says the only thing is, is Caleb Williams the only good quarterback next year? That is what we need to find out. Yeah, it's hard to say. There's some really interesting prospects. There's some guys that can elevate themselves. And and I think that's the tough, that's the lesson we learned this year a little bit, where there were some guys that we really truly thought were stepping forward. We kind of learned it from the last year too, right? When Sam Howell and uh Spencer Radler, who were supposed to be one, two, ended up not not getting there. So it's hard to predict this stuff in advance. Caleb, we know, will be a, a first-round pick, but beyond him, it's hard to say. Garden says, and John Schneider, I trust. Me as well. JNN says, from Kennesaw, Georgia, there was video showing him driving that night. Watched news all day on this. Oh, wow. Well, then they guess they will know as he was in there driving. Uh, Megan says, B, can you please explain the Drew Sanders hype? I just don't get it. What have I missed? And what video do I need to see to see what everyone else is seeing? Uh, I had a lot more of it. I liked the the film that I got to watch with him in Alabama than I liked of any of his other stuff that he did. The place that I come back to is that he's got some unique gifts that other linebackers in this draft don't have, and you don't often get to see in linebackers, period. He's a guy that went from playing an edge um, at Alabama to when he transferred to Arkansas, now they moved him inside. And so when you see him last year looking rough around the edges and not looking like he's completely comfortable at the middle linebacker position, I think it's explainable in that he's new to it. But he did show flashes. He showed the quickness and speed. He can get back in coverage. The instincts are kind of a work in progress right now, making that kind of change and transition. But then the upside is on it too, is that you know whatever he doesn't give you there on from a middle linebacker, he can also help you out with some edge rush too, even as a rotational guy. And so he gives you a little bit of that Micah Parsons-like light-like player. He's not Parsons from anywhere near from a physical gift standpoint, but there's some there there is some similarities there in what they do. And, and so you also are looking at going one year new to the position. He'll get better as we go forward into the future. He'll, he'll get better into year two, year three. And with the physical gifts he has, he's not going to be left for wanting in that respect of things, which is part of what got me around to him as a prospect as well, Megan. But I tended to be along for most of the part looking at him throughout this offseason going, I don't quite get it. But it did kind of snap a little bit more into place for me when I kind of considered it from that angle of things. Uh, Tommy says, we always say we need some dogs on our team. How about Georgia Bulldogs? I say draft Chris Smith. I love him. One of my favorite players in the draft, man. Cliffick says, it seems like we'll draft a quarterback. Uh... 
Uh, it seems like we'll draft a. It still seems like we'll, we're likely to draft a quarterback if we don't land Anderson or Carter. I don't know about Carter because of the situation. With uh, the recent comments from Pete, who would you say they drafted five? If he's not at five, then who? Uh, I think they're probably you're right. I think you're on the right path with this one. With the Carter news, this draws you a little bit more firmer to the land of them just taking a quarterback than at five. Um, they already, I think, have a predilection to wanting to do this just kind of naturally the way this would, even with Carter in this draft and still being considered top prospect and not having any of the character concerns and even being there, they would still be drawn to want to make this choice. I think this pushes them a little bit more closer to making that choice. I think trading back is also the other real possibility here is like a 50-50 thing where if they don't want to go to the quarterback, being at that point that there would have been three quarterbacks off the board and there were really only four true blue first round talents in this draft at the quarterback position, you should have a team wanting to move up at that point to take one of those quarterbacks. So it's, what is Judge Schneider? Does Schneider really love the quarterback? Or is the draft capital just too good to turn down? And I would, I, 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 hard to say on that one. Depends on what who's offering what. Definitely going to take at least an extra future first to move back, I would say then. Uh, he says, folks are racing and driving fast everywhere in this country. Been doing it since the 1950s. We're a nation of car lovers. We are indeed. We just want to go fast. Mark says, Top Gun, I feel the need, the need for speed. We do. We just, that's, it's the American way. And the guys Pete and John are just trying to bump up the King's ransom value with the quarterback talk. I think that's a bit of it. I do think that's a bit of it. Standard Champion says, well, not smart. I don't think regular people can fathom the level of temptation. Young, cocky football stars are immersed in agreed this is it's it's a perspective that's hard to it's easy to kind of lament like well if i had all those natural gifts you know if i was in that position to have that privilege to do didn't i'd do it this way you know i i've I've been right along with the rest of the folks that might say stuff like that about these guys like well if i was i had that i guess i I would i would cherish it so much you'd never see me do this type of stuff but you're young you get in a stupid environment or not a stupid environment but you just do something stupid um stuff happens stuff happens Sam the last time I was in uh mega says you cannot change my mind about carter b i don't like him before and sure as hell do not want him now i know you don't flame from i don't know i know you don't flame me from i know you don't flame me b but many did i get it megan and i'm not gonna flame you for it and i and i, I i'm not i can understand the as i said not only can i understand the folks that say well i'm not at that place the carter this pushes him off my board I get it. It doesn't get me there, but I get it for the folks that it does. It's this, we've had the Malik McDowell situation come through here. We just had the Henry Rugg stuff happen. You know, people died this end. I get for some people that it is that place. It's just not quite there for me though. I can't quite get there on it. Tiago says, I've been fantasizing about getting Stroud at five. How do you guys think this Carter news affects it? Makes it unlikely, Tiago. I think the only guy at five now you're looking at is absent Bryce Young measuring at five, eight and a half at the combine. You're probably uh you're 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 probably looking at uh Anderson or Richard or Richardson or no one. I think Stroud goes at that point. Uh, Dan W says, pretend that doctor friend you have saw your, you crash your car and <laughs> doctor friend I have, uh, pretend that doctor friend you have saw you crash your car and you needed help. And then he drove off. You would not accept that. No one would. There's no excuse. Immediately. The friendship is over. 
Um, maybe the case. I mean, again, it's it, the stuff's hard to make a comparison for when we go apples and oranges. Like I'm regular. Like I've got a. I, I get in a crash. They don't. They've got a pro career where they're they've got millions of dollars on the line, generational wealth on the line. Where if they do anything at that moment, just stand around, and sit that they're in. They're going to have that then get co- you know cost them. You know, it doesn't mean that it's the right decision to walk away at that point for me, Daniel. But it does mean that that's. That's something going on in that young person's brain who doesn't have a life of wisdom on their shoulders, who's, you know, still in very much in many respects, kind of a kid. Um, then it's, it, it, to me, again, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it, but it makes me understand how it could happen and how it's not just a matter of him acting in some evil fashion. The kid panicked and probably had a couple of different pulling emotions of what he should do in that moment. But then the thought process always of like, you've got this, this thing that you have is the you know golden ticket burning up in front of him if he's out there. I mean, I, I doesn't condone it as I say, but again, it makes me understand where his head potentially could have been at if that's the way that it did boil down in that way. Um, Jose Rodriguez says maybe I'm touchy because someone I know family member just lost a family member to a hit and run and could have been possible in this situation. No, it's not touchy at all. I don't think it's touchy, Jose, to say like that's why I say it. I understand the people that take their tracked with it and go, I don't, I, I, this is that I'm out on that. You know, I just don't, I don't land the same spot on it. Um, it's cause we have people, a lot of people die in car crashes all the time. Car, that's one of the riskiest things we do. And again, it's not, not to excuse him, but I can't, I can't, uh, I can't throw a day in the whale either. You know what I mean? Tommy says, take Washington and drink a Stella. There we go. Tommy says, I'm pretty convinced we hired to sign a one-year deal, to be honest, like consulting role to help transition to the Fangio scheme. We gave him a fancy title that helped his resume. It was planned. I think they knew that it was, beyond being planned, maybe a likelihood that they, they understood there was a lot good, strong likelihood that there was, they're going to, somebody's going to look at him for a um, offensive or defensive coordinator position somewhere within the year. So I, I yeah, I agree with you. They, they probably were aware I was going to do it. I, I would think that they would have a backup plan beyond though Tommy saying, well, we learned it. We're good. We got it. <laughs> we got all the lessons. It's, it's, we're good now. You know, you know, you still need somebody in there bringing the lessons, you know. Um, Daniel says, I feel like you aren't really thinking about it. I can forgive a 21 year old for driving fast, for not telling the police the 100% accurate story at 4 a.m. I can't forgive a man abandoning his friends. Uh, that's me. That's how I am with friends and family. If that's like, oh, he left his friends to die. That's cool. Like, no, that's not cool. Yes, it's acceptable. I'll leave it at that. Um, no, I, I do believe that I'm understanding your perspective on this. Um, I think that we just have a different measure of approach onto where we see a 21-year-old kid's mindset and, and where what a 21-year-old young man, some men are capable of, some people are incapable of, and they're caught in a moment and you're caught in a crazy moment like that. And the one thing I know through my life and being around moments like that, Daniel, is that no one is thinking particularly clearly in those moments. No one is acting with a completely calm mind of making this right choice, or I'm a friend of this guy and I got to do that. It tends to be a wrestling of many different emotions at once. And they're all coming at you a million miles an hour. Um, 
as I said with it, doesn't mean that I condone him doing it. It doesn't mean that if I was his friend and he did it to me, that I wouldn't, you know, be sore about it, angry about it, you know, but does it mean where I can understand how it happened and that it's not some from some place of being purely evil that he left, that he somehow in that moment was like, you know, I, you I, I never, you were never really that close to me as a friend anyway. I'm just, you know, I got to just, this is about me, man. I'm out. No, it's probably a lot of different things pulling at him there, you know? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, none of us really know what happened or where it went. You know, that's been part of my thing with this too, is I just don't want to jump to conclusions on this. Green A says you're 21 years old with a $100,000 vehicle. You're going to speed. Probably very likely. Probably very likely, I would say. Yeah, car lost a few million. That's for that part's undoubted. UGK says, how many suspensions did Lynch or Gino have? People make foolish decisions. Some learn from them and some don't. Can't jump, can't lump everyone together. Agreed. Well said. Uh, your boy Michael says, oh, Brandon, do you think we could trade down and still get Carter? Uh, probably. Hard to say exactly where he goes at this point. That's that's the tough part on that one. Andrew says, Carter will play in the NFL. The problem is he will lose lots of money, but maybe he doesn't care. One million or 10 million. What's the difference for some? Yeah, man, I'm sure he cares. I'm sure he's not happy about it. Tommy says, John John said once they grilled a dude in interviews for smoking a bowl. They were like, why did you do that? And he was like, well, I was on the next, I was next on the couch. New Black says, I'd love to have a more aggressive run stuffing D. Me too, man. Take something away from the offense, right? Um, I, it's kind of where I'd come to him just have something you can kind of lean on um, defensively and then build from there. Andrew uh, says, doing some floor strip and waxing the next five hours. Glad you're streaming, B. Hey, I'm glad you're listening in, Andrew. Hopefully it's a nice, easy strap and wax. You know, I've had some tough strap and wax sessions. You know what I mean? Be careful on those ones. DVN says, I agree. I was excited about hearing about the hybrid D last year, but after seeing it in action, yikes. It's right where I am with the DVN where I just go, okay, I, I, I didn't have any kind of taste off of last year going, this will work into the future. This is good to go. 
And some of the failure rate of this defense across the league as well is, is, is worth noting. I don't think there was a video that came out that was like the Fangio defense is like, doesn't work for anybody ever at all anymore, except for the, unless Fangio's running it. I don't ascribe to that. Other people can run the defense, but it's hard to implement at the very least. It's hard to find the personnel at the very least. And here's the bottom line is this as well with going back to a 4-3. When you have so many defenses across the league right now running the Fangio 3-4 under scheme, that means that's all the teams across the league now you have to compete with running that same defense for the same personnel coming out of college versus the lesser amount, theoretically, of the 4-3 teams looking for the 4-3 under personnel you might be looking for. So it might be easier to find kind of some of those better prospects in addition to just not being as hard a road to hoe because you don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of it to the nth degree. Henry, I would sign Bobby Sue and another veteran D. Then I'll draft some rookies to learn from these dudes. Not a bad route. Not a bad route at all. Jamoy Michael says, call me crazy, but I love Anthony Richardson. We'll be fine taking him early. No, you're not crazy for that. I love him too, man. They took him. I'd be okay with it. Green 80, uh, Noah Sewell is our linebacker solution. I, boy, I've just not been able to get on quite on board with the tape. He's going to shine really at the combine and pro days and all that, but uh, tape isn't the greatest for that guy. Pretty tough. Tommy says, draft Washington, cut trade Fant, go 13 personnel with Diz, Parkinson, and Washington, huge men, then draft Chris Smith and go big nickel, three safety with Diggs and Adams, three tight end, three safety equals Super Bowl. Ooh, I like that. Megan, I see Pete doing that with John and Jody shaking her head saying, don't make me put you in the corners, gentlemen. Exactly, Megan. She's over there just shaking her head. Let, let, let them get this out of their system. Carol's sitting there just like, eh, eh, eh. I want him, John. No. Too many times. You've done this to me too many times. Tom Eaton says, AR-15's name has 14 characters in it. If you add 14 and 12 for the 12s, you get 26. If we make AR-15 wear number three, then you subtract three from 26, you get 23. If we draft AR-15, we win Super Bowl in 2023. <laughs> is, the, is the audio wonky? It sounds like the audio is okay. It's the real trees. If the next year's draft class is much better than this one, what's stopping us from saying screw it and trade for top picks next year? I don't think there's anything stopping you from doing that. It's the real cheese. 
Um, the, the conditions are going to be right to do this, I believe, because if I, I still think three quarterbacks go in the top four. Anderson that would go in the top four as well. That leaves you at five with, we know four quarterbacks are going in the top 15 at this point, if not four in the top 10. So now you're at the right place to take a quarterback if you want, or if your value is a liking next year's better, then you can theoretically flip it to a team that would like that fourth quarterback to go get your future first round pick. So I think that option will be available to them. It all will come down to their evaluation of Anthony Richardson at that point and, and what they think of him and his upside and how quickly he will get to that upside. Mr. Allo, Brian Branch, Atuli Tulaputu, and Zach Charbonnet are my favorite prospects. I love them, man. Those are great prospects. Well-deserving of your love on that one. John says, uh, can't Carter face a suspension for this? I don't believe you can be suspended if you're not yet a league employee. I could be wrong if they may have changed the rules on that, but I don't think that's the case. Greg uh, Kemp says, Brandon, can you say why you'd be okay with AR-15 at five, but not Wilson? Wilson is raw as pass rusher, but AR-15 raw at everything and has limited play time, might need a year on the bench. Do you value quarterback too do you value QB much? Too, I think you meant too much. Um, yes, it's a, it's a different two positions. So I think there is a difference in me from a positional standpoint. I don't tend to do a lot of this, but I will separate it when it comes to quarterbacking, being that this is a more, more important position. I have been a person, Greg, that's hammered very much the thought process of that it's become overvalued in many respects. But for me, Greg, it's not overvalued in trying to find the, the young quarterback on the rookie deal. It's overvalued from the standpoint of middling to a little bit better than middling quarterbacks being paid top of the market prices. That's where I really have my issue with it. When it, it comes down to Tyree Wilson or Anthony Richardson, to me, there is maybe a, a somewhat of an equivalency there on a rawness scale of things. But I'm okay with giving AR that year or two that he would need to develop on the bench because at the end of the day, what you're getting in him is the most talented quarterback in this draft. So I have the most important position on the football field and I'm getting the most talented player out of that draft. Say what you will about Tyree Wilson and his level of talent, good, good a player as he is. He is not the most talented player in this draft. Um, he's a talented player. But he's a talented player with a lot of unrealized potential at this point. And yes, the same thing's true with Richardson, but the top end has shown itself there. I don't have to correct a lot of things. I just need to get him seasoning. I just need to get him maturation. I don't have to clean up mechanics necessarily with Richardson. It's there. Just got to get it more consistent. You know, um, so I, I think that's more of where I go for. It's the impact of the position. It's the, the trust and the developmental time. I think a quarterback has aided Greg from sitting on the bench for a year. I don't know if it's as much help to a defense to like a defensive lineman to do that. You know, it's more of like, you got to kind of give me what you got now as a defensive lineman. And unfortunately, the other thing that informs me with this, Greg, is that these defensive linemen that come out that are a little raw like this, they can kind of sometimes take a couple of years to, to get that rawness out of them as well. And now you're to a point, whereas with a quarterback return, now I have a quarterback who's that rawness is through the end of it, but now he's ready to be one of the best in the sport. This other guy, I, I'm, I'm due to have to pay him. And then is he at that level and is he consistent or is he going to stay? Do I want to pay him at that point, 20, 25 million? I don't know. Maybe I should look at it seeing more of an equivalency between the two on the Greg and me. Maybe it exists more than I'm willing to admit on it, but I just like the QB a little bit more. I lean in that direction of it. Uh, Chase Stern, thank you for the $5 donation, Chase. I do appreciate you for that. And I hope you're having a great night. Uh, it says, as of now, what would you do with the fifth pick? Uh, that's a good question. 
I suppose. I suppose at the end of the day, I would try to trade it. That would be my, I would do the trade for a team that wants to get Anthony Richardson. I would only do the trade if I am minimum receiving back another first round pick in return. I'm not doing it for second, third round picks, fourth round picks in this draft, next year's second round pick. It's got to be a move for a future one. And if that deal is not there to be made, then I probably am just going to take Richardson at that point. That'd be my, my one-two on that, Chase. But I think I'd, I'd lean towards trying to trade it. Give me next year's first with a team with, who's going to have a rookie quarterback starting for them. And let's roll that dice. Let's go to Vegas. Let's see if we get ourselves back into another top five pick into the future. While still picking multiple times in this first round this year. Tom Eaton says, so if there was only really, says, so if there were really only five elite blue chippers and one is off the board now, it means that there won't be Jack at our pick. And it means it'll be harder to trade down. Well, I, I think that not likely there's Jack at the pick is kind of true, Tommy. I do. I do think, though, that this is a little bit of the establishment, again, of stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. You're, you're going through the quarterbacks right now. You're looking at the publicity. We're looking at what we're hearing from league circles. And what are we hearing? You know, Anthony Richardson goes from at the end of the year being a second round guy to on a daily basis, he's rising up the charts and rising up the draft boards and rising up the mock boards. And as I've said with him, I had him at top 10. It could go even higher than that. So when you say that there's only elite five elite prospects, is Anthony Richardson a pure elite five? Not necessarily purely, but for our all intents and purposes for the way you mean it about trading down doesn't really matter as much because you'll have the three quarterbacks taken in the first You'll have the three quarterbacks taken. Um, uh, we have three quarterbacks taken in the first four picks. You have Will Anderson going number four, probably. So then you're going to have Anthony Richardson there. Now you have the teams behind you, Tommy. Think of it like this. You've got three or four teams behind you, just behind you, five, six picks worth, right? That are desperately needing a quarterback. Does one of those ones want to trade up for Anthony Richardson? Do one of those ones want to take that risk? I think one of them might at that point. We'll see. So it's a little early, but we'll see. AI says move back to nine for a ton of second and thirds, which Carolina has, then drafts Goronsky at guard, uh, center in the second, dominate the line of scrimmage. I like it. I like that approach. That'd be good. Lance says, I'm still better we took Sam Adams. I'm still better we took Sam Adams instead of Warren Sapp because of a marijuana thing scaring teams off, including our beloved Hawks. Great point. There's another situation where a guy got cast with a certain a certain brush. Um, and the people sort of threw him away in a lot of respects where uh, stuff didn't quite end up proving out kind of true. That's why I say this jumping to the, the jumping to conclusions on this situation, you know, this has happened in the past and this has happened of detriments of players. This is, this is completely destroyed careers. It didn't do that with SAP luckily, but it has done in the past. Um, it has gone down that road. John says, I don't know if Chicago trades down now, though. They might just pick Anderson. I think it probably opens up more of the door of them trading down than ever before at this point. But we'll see. It is early, so it's hard to say on some of this stuff.
Justin Warfield says, uh, what if he put out a statement about what happened that night? I think he already just kind of did a statement, didn't he? About the, he's the, he denied the charges and, you know, it was kind of boiler, your typical lawyer boilerplate kind of talk. But I think he did kind of put that statement out, Justin. Brian says, if QBs go top four is expected, Bijan Rob, Bijan, the, the player that teams will maneuver up to get at five, it's possible. Uh, Tommy says, now people are making excuses for Carter based on other, based on other or themselves making horrible decisions too. Street racing is as dumb a decision as you can make. Way to endanger everyone's lives. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know if people are making excuses, but there's empathy going on here, I think, a little bit in this respect. And there's a recognition from people. I, I think it's a coming from a people that are, are doing this. And, and what I'm reading in the comments is not merely people just trying to throw, you know, paint over this with it. It's a little bit of acknowledgement of the fact, like I'm kind of saying with this too, of in utero, you know, young people do dumb things. I did the th dumb things. I know a lot of 21 year old guys that were doing dumb things at that age and, and things that did endanger other people's lives that weren't like necessarily well planned out or well thought about. They just happened in the moment in the second it was dumb. Um, it's it, again, as I said, I've said multiple times over on this, it's not to excuse it, but if we're going to get to the point now where we say this guy doesn't deserve to be drafted, he shouldn't be picked at all. He doesn't deserve to be in the NFL. We're going to throw this kid's whole career away. He deserves to go in the toilet now because of this decision. Well, I, I think at that point, you know, there's a lot of people we're going to be throwing away in society at that point if we're going to jump to those kind of conclusions on someone. And I think looking at it from a perspective, like man, like myself at 40 years old and how I'd look at a verse... You know, where I was at 21, I, I don't understand street racing. I was never a street racer. Um, I don't advocate for it. I think it's very dangerous and dumb. But I think it can be dangerous and dumb, and we can also understand kind of the conditions that could lead to it as well. But this will be a, a disagreeable place for a lot of folks on this. I get that too. Joe Biden's make a wish. This Will Anderson's out of the picture now. I guess we're trading down. It's possible. John says, yeah, I want them to play the 4-3 again, but play more man coverage on the back end and blitz. That'd be dream, wouldn't it, John? That'd be a dream scenario. Obanga says, I'm 46 years old, and what annoys me is people saying he's a 21-year-old kid, and that's the reason to let him get away with stuff with it, and all the 20-year-old kids do stuff like that. I didn't. Um, I, I don't think all 21 year old kids do that stuff, Megan, but I do think that there are a lot of young men that do it. Um, it's great if there are people that are avoiding it. And I guess if you avoided it and you didn't go through it, then you got every right to throw a judgment on him. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'm in, I can only reference my opinion on this, Megan, being that um, it's not to say that he should get away with anything. What I'm saying with it is that should his career be completely destroyed now over this? Should he be an undrafted player that never has no chance at this point that this is this is what his whole life comes down to is the choice he made at 21 years old to do this this street racing thing? Like that's the part where I go, I don't I don't know if I quite can get there on it. And maybe that's uh covering it up, I guess. But I, I look at it more like, look, you can be held responsible, but I don't know. Lance says, man, I'm amazed that the, follow that the followers are so saintly. I haven't been in trouble personally, but that doesn't mean I haven't done stupid stuff. Most of us have. And to say you haven't, say you say you wouldn't have panicked, really? I, I'm with you on Lance. I don't, I, 
I guess I was a naughty boy. <laughs> uh, Am the Great says, all my th friends thought speed racing was cool at 21. Spoiled snobs that got high-powered cars. Yeah. It happens. Not excusable, but it does happen. King Bomber says, do we know who we interviewed so far other than Dayon Henley? Uh, Henley's the only one I've heard about so far. John Robinson says, Hassan Reddick blitzed as a linebacker from a 4-3 under, so it does work. I could see Mafe succeeding in that role with Taylor at the Leo. I could see two. Remember, Taylor does prefer a little bit more rushing from the left-hand side than he does the right. But either one, you could kind of flip either way on that, right? Yeah, you could pull that off too. I like it. I like the going back to de facto five-man line of scrimmage too. That that appeals to me as well. Uh, five. Thank you for the five-dollar donation from In Utero. Hope you're doing well tonight, man. Appreciate you. People want to bury John and Pete for McDowell and now want them to draft Carter. It makes no sense. It's hypocritical. Um, yes, I, I, I think that there's certainly a, a tangible relation between looking at McDowell theoretically to looking at Carter. Um, the thing with, as I said with McDowell, that I'm not quite to the place on that, that some kind of are on Carter with this is the respect of Carter had the interviews in person you had NFL organizations telling you that this is the worst interview I've ever had with a prospect in my history and multiple organizations telling you that. Um, while he may not have had some out and out where he was driving in Florida thing or driving drag racing thing, there was a lot of stuff with Malik McDowell that you were hearing about from that program. And as I've said with Jalen Carter on this in utero, if the totality of the data comes out in an equivalent way with with Jalen Carter that it did with McDowell, that we understand that this is not an isolated incident, that there are a multitude of things going on here that this kid's not got his head on straight at all, that he's completely twisted and turned around, then I'll come to that conclusion. But as I always say with that, I want to have the totality of that data. I want to hear the totality of it. And in McDowell's case, we had the time period through all of the pre-draft process to the day of the draft to have that information that was out there that we could read and was, was readily at our fingertips. In Carter's case, you have Daniel Jeremiah's, oh, there's some character concerns. You've got this situation with the car. And we've got what that he, he, what, what is the other things we have tangibly about him being a bad human being or not being a player person that he shouldn't be drafted. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Kind of it. Isn't that a little bit, isn't that a little bit light? Um, and again, if there's just one decision a prospect can make to take you off the board, then that's cool. Um, but I'm not ever going to usually, unless it's something egregious where, like I said, there's laying your hands on a woman or doing something that's um, in that realm, then, um, I'm, I'm going to maybe put things in different points the way I look at it, but I get it. I do draw a difference though. In my opinion, I don't, I don't just instantly at this point myself in utero put Carter in McDowell's camp. I, I think that that's a comp you can make. I think it's maybe even somewhat valid, but I think it's a little bit broad at this point without knowing all that is entailed with Jalen Carter. Appreciate the donation, though. He just says, I can see Jody putting Pete and John on timeout if they continue to act like fools in the draft. <laughs> Krug says, do you think we can fleece the Jets by trading Gino for the 13th pick? I think we could, yeah. John comes back to, to Douglas and he's like, yeah, you know. You screwed me over a couple years ago. You made me take the other end of it. I got beat up for that because you you trade raped me. So you know you need to give you need to even this out a little bit, Mister Douglas. 
All right. You got the other end of this. Now you got to kind of turn about fair play. We'll give you our guy, but you come on now. Come on now. I'm sitting on damaged good damaged good atoms over here once you gave me. You gave me dam damaged goods. I can at least provide you the data that shows Gino's upright. <laughs> I can see it. Greg says, Brandon, I started checking out film breakdowns of Will Anderson and it was pointed out he falls steps like Moffy does. Have you noticed it? I didn't see the Von Miller athleticism. It looked more Uchenna. Uh, the, the tough part with the Von Miller comparisons or the Derek Thomas's comparisons, Greg, is that those players are first step quickness and, and very specific with that. They were quick otherwise too, but the first step quickness was the thing that was, was next level with those guys with my opinion on Anderson is it's a step two, three, four quickness where there's a bit of a buildup speed to the spot where he gets, but when he gets to that spot, he's so elite in, in that point that it's, it's like, it, it's the lineman just can't stay with him. Um, so the, the, the fall step thing, uh, I don't know on that one necessarily. It's something that can be cleaned up though. Obviously Greg is Moffe cleaned it up this year. You didn't see a lot of the fall steps on college that you saw from him. I don't know if that was something that stood out to me in, in Will Anderson's tape. Um, from an athletic standpoint, you know, he's, yeah, he's not as swivelly hipped either as Miller is. That was the thing with Miller is you had the first step quickness and real swivelly hips, which then allowed him to turn and bend in a way that was very unique. But, but uh, you know, Anderson's also got his own unique gifts too that, that may be a little bit better than, than Miller as well. Probably a little bit more stouter at the point of attack. Probably a little bit of a better natural run defender. Um, my comp for Will Anderson has never been Greg... Derek Thomas or Von Miller. My comp for Will Anderson is Charles Haley. And so, you know, it's, it, you know, these kind of things that people want to go for the generational talent comps, but what is just about a really fantastic, almost sub hall of fame type player comp, you know, but go watch again. And I went back and watched Charles Haley's tape just to, to validate this. Cause that's obviously a, a very, <laughs> very deep uh, pull for a comp. But uh, I liked that one when I, I was thinking about it, went back and watched some Haley tape and I was like, yeah, that's Will Anderson. Those guys are very much in that same kind of, same kind of uh, venue of things. So very good. Still feel very good about my comp. I love him as a player. I've got no worries with, with Anderson. Brian says, Jets not trading another chip to increase their young core for a 32-year-old quarterback? No way. I don't know about that, Brian. I, I don't know about that. They're already openly flirting with bringing in Aaron Rodgers that they potentially could trade multiple first round picks for going for. So, um, you know, they are showing already a, a bit of a hand here of like, we need to kind of deal with this quarterback situation and get it dealt with uh, quickly. Um, you can go get Carr and go, well, that's a bigger name than Geno, but is he better? If you're making just a pure evaluation of the quarterback position between Geno and Carr at this point, Gino's coming off a better year. Gino's stock should be theoretically higher. And if you're looking to, you know, improve your quarterback position at this point, Brian, you're going to look to improve it with the best guy that you can go out there and get. It, it has felt like to me for a while now that Aaron Rodgers is either kind of going back to the Packers or he's probably going nowhere. I never thought that he was in play to really go to the Jets anyway because of the fact that he, he is essentially at that point literally then following in Favre's footsteps of what he did, which is I, I know something that Rodgers probably would like to avoid and rather than emboldening those comparisons even further. 
So I get what you're saying on this, Brian, but remember again, as I say, desperation draws these trades out as much as anything else. It's these, these guys aren't always thinking this stuff through clearly. And what especially draws out the desperation, Brian, is what? The hot seat. The seat getting warmer underneath both the head coach and the general manager. And when that happens, that's when you can sometimes get those conditions for that kind of trade to happen. Probably you're right. 13 is probably a bit too high, but uh, it just it just takes, you know, just takes one desperate, desperate, desperate team. That's it. You know what I mean? One desperate team. All right, Garth Knight, thank you for the $10 donation, Garth. I do appreciate it. Thanks for all the donations, man. It says, Brando, I have a card set heading your way that includes a number 17 Dave Craig's first football, car- first football card, albeit not rookie. Hoping it gets to you before Megan can ship a Zorn from down under. <laughs> That's, Megan, that sounds like an Australian term. That does sound like an Australian term. I need to get a, a Zorn from Dan Ender. Give me that another one of them Zorn from Dan Ender's. Uh, bet though, Garth, I get that set, man. I got that, I got that spot on the wall right behind me, man. It is going to be right there. It's going to be right there in that backdrop. We'll get some Zorns, some Craigs, get some cards put up in the background there. I think it would definitely help, uh, help out the view of things. So hundred percent, man. Thank you for sending that my way. And, uh, I will be on the lookout for that brother. And thanks for the $10 donation, man. You're awesome. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you big time. And I will, I will proudly uh, present that Craig card. Megan, you're free to send me the Zorn too. <laughs> I won't play favorites. I won't play favorites. I think Greg too with the Jenna. Jenna's legitimate like 6'2". I do think, I do think Anderson's legit 6'4", probably a little bit longer arms than Uchenna. So there's a little bit more he can kind of go to from the length lockout kind of stuff. Tommy says, Rogers bought a house in Nashville recently. Think that means anything? Well, I'll tell you what, the Titans have been making a bunch of moves to clear cap. People have been wondering if maybe they were going to come in and try to start to make a run at Aaron with this. And I could see him doing it. Frable's got the, the, the ability to kind of wield more power in that building now. And that would totally, to me, open up, open up for them to do that. Dylan McKay says, if Richardson is available at five, couldn't we trade Gino to one of those desperate teams? 100% you could, Dylan. 100% you could. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways this could go with Gino being moved, Gino staying, Gino staying, and we draft a quarterback. You know, we waiting, like you say, Dylan, until we're at the pick where we know we have a quarterback in front of us, and then we make the trade. It's hard to predict which one thing is going to happen over the other at that point because there's so many different iterations that that could take form from. But yes, it certainly is within possibility that it goes down that down that realm. Brian Myers says, Jets doing that gets general manager fired sooner rather than later. Uh, maybe, maybe. You know, I mean, if he's looking down the barrel, Brian, of a gun of like this, of ownership coming to him and saying, okay, you've been here a couple of years. You brought your coach in. You've had the opportunity to flip out Adams and turn this thing over and get your picks and do all that. You know, you need to get us into the playoffs this next year. And so, Brian, let's just say that the Jets look at that situation. They go, you're Douglas. And they go, okay, I got to get to the playoffs next year. And then 
let's play this out in real time then at that point. You're, you're going to trust Jimmy Garoppolo to get you for a full year. If, if you know, you like Carr better than Geno Smith, I guess maybe you're, you're paying him a little bit less than Geno or less maybe you don't have to trade for Geno at that point, but there's other people on, in the services for Carr. Does Carr want to go to New York? You know, and if you lose out on Carr and there is now no Brady Rogers option and you know you need to go make it to the playoffs and, and I've got to provide you an option of, you know, you can, you can sign street free agent Jimmy Garoppolo to get you there. Or you can make a trade for a Geno Smith. Geno Smith's a far better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, from, in my opinion. Um, you know, Jimmy's going to be lucky to get 20 this year. Geno's going to get minimum 35. There's a reason for that. So I, I think it's just this is a bit of the options that are at play. As I said, that's the desperation that I say that exists in this situation, Brian, where he's looking at potentially being fired anyway if he doesn't get to the playoffs. Then you go for broke at that point. Then you go for a little bit more of like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable doing this. Yeah, I don't like doing this. But I'm, I'm, this whole patient approach, just be intelligent with it thing will lead me to missing the, missing the playoffs once again, which will lead me to being fired just as well, you know? But like I said too, 13 might be a bit high on him. Uh, yes, guys, please do hit the uh, like button. If you haven't hit the like button as well up on the show, this does help me out considerably. So if you haven't already hit the like button, if you're not subbed up to the channel, please do get subbed up to the channel. It doesn't cost anything. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Nudero says, drafting a quarterback is always really risky. AR-15 and Levis in a couple of years could be very good. It's true. Very true. Uh, Nudero says, I like the analogy of if you're going to buy a lottery ticket quarterback, get the one with the potential to give you the biggest payout. Agreed. Agreed. You're picking the top of the draft, get your guy with that, get the, the upside there. I, I do like that with Richardson as I know the upside's there. I don't know if he'll get there, but I know it's there. Justin says, I'm, I still say Carter and need a game changer. If I'm wasting a pick, I don't want a random maybe bust. It's understandable. Greg, interesting, Brandon. I think Wilson needs to work on hand placement. And I were, if I were him, I'd try to train with Jason Taylor to get the best out of his length. I see top five as a Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl, or All of Fame, All Pro potential. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I do factor in a little bit with them too, Greg, on this, even if it's just to a tiny measurement. There's a, there is going to be a different view that I have the guys that I see out at Texas Tech versus guys playing out at Alabama versus guys playing in the SEC. And, you know, there's a lot of guys coming out of that conference from the defensive side of the ball that have been pretty disappointing over recent years where, you know, they play against a certain level of competition throughout the year and they look a certain way and you put them up against that next notch of competition higher and it's like, ooh, they get, they get a little bit nullified then at that point as opposed to taking huge steps forward. Uh, I will say this with, with Wilson. I, I think he's got a lot of potential to him. Um, I'm, I'm not certain he's going to get there and I'm not certain I'm at a spot with a Greg where I go, well, just him getting the hand placement down is all he needs to do at that point. You know, there's kind of a natural feel thing with him at times that that dissuades me a little bit from him. Not to the point of not wanting to pick him, but I can watch Will Anderson going unblocked backside on a play where he's a free runner and he gets in the backfield, tracks that play down, takes it down. And I see Tyree do it and he stumbles out of the blocks and runs right past the ball carrier and I see a couple of, of games of film doing that at times. And I go, okay, well, where's, are the natural instincts there too? Is he naturally just kind of feeling what's going on around him? Um, or is he just kind of going as hard as he can in one direction? You know, 
Um, but again, I don't want to pick, seem like I'm picking apart Wilson too much, Greg, because he's a legitimate top 10 talent in this draft. And there's a right, he, you're rightful to be um, excited for him and see a guy that, you know, if he can round out his skill set, can be a, a tremendous player in the NFL. No doubt about it. Justin says, you think he'll get Hot Wheels endorsement out of this? Probably not. <laughs> Megan says, B, we'll need to agree to disagree. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lance says, I wonder if Carter's situation pushes us even further into going after Payne or Buckner. With or without, please go back to a 4-3 defense and get Cansey. I'm with it, Lance. All the way around, I'm with it. I mean, imagine if you went and got Cansey and Buckner this offseason. How much better? And go to the 4-3 defense. <sighs> oh, Feel so much better about that defensive line, like instantaneously. Greedy does it, trade back to seven or nine and pick Cansey. I love that, man. Love it. You got to go to a 4-3, though, if you're going with Cansey. I can't see him as a 3-4 end. Cronus says, uh-oh, I just realized Rob Stanton's going to eat this up and use it for confirmation bias against Carter. Oh, he's he's definitely, he was on it today. I saw that. He wasn't missing. He wasn't missing. And hey, props to him. Props to Megan on this. Guys, they took the, they took a stop with it and they're they're definitely looking more right, right side of it here today. Uh, Grant's paintings, is there any coaches you'd like that they can take to size spot? Ed Donatel is the name that comes to, to mind that if they're going to run the cover two Fangios, there's nobody else that's, that's going to run it as well or has as much of a background in running it as Donatel does. So putting him into that spot, I think would be a pretty intelligent choice to go with that route if they're going to stick with the, this defense. D-Boy is in the house. What's up, D-Boy? He says, what's up, everyone? Hope everyone's having a good Wednesday night. Having a great Wednesday night, man. I hope you're doing really well. It's good to see you in the chat, man. Always puts a, puts a smile on my face, D-Boy. See D-Boy, D-Boy in the house. Says, John, uh, John M429. Brandon, I'm with you. I'm 28, and, I, I'm, and I'm a lot different than I was at 21, mostly because I got into some trouble for driving a fence, not killing the guy for it. Maybe he grows from it. And, and maybe I'm just a little bit too open my heart with this, but I do fall on that point, John. I, I, and it's not just my history with it. It's seen other, other friends, other people in my life I've known at young ages doing stupid stuff and seen those guys and that they've turned it around and that it's not always, I think what we look at in this kind of situation, if it's occurred as reportedly being, you know, potentially reported is that, you know, we go, well, this is an indication of who this guy is and what he will be going forward. And, but it does sometimes come down to learning from mistakes and then moving on from him. And I'm not saying that I know that that's where he's going to be with that, but I also don't know that he's not going to not have been able to move on from this and grow and become a, a more of a responsible adult, adult, adult and flourish. In utero says, uh, Charles Haley is a great comp, Anderson comp. I was struggling with it in utero because I was like, the people were kept going back to the Thomas Von Miller stuff. And I was like, I can't. The first step quickness came thing was just throwing me off the, the lack of swivelly hips because this Thomas and Vaughn Miller are very much the same. I mean, those guys that you could, you can see it. You'll go watch those highlights. You can see those guys like kind of mirror images, but the, that was the one I was the, the I couldn't see it with the Anderson one of, but I was like, but he's got some stuff to him that jumps, that reminds me of something. What does he remind me of? And I kept trying to go back. Cause I, I do remember the old days of Haley and all that. And that was, that was the one for me. Justin Gones, Wentz is available. Let's go. Let's go. Some Carson Wentz action. Give him for a couple million, right? Five million for Wentz. 
Tom Eaton says, what about Will Anderson, Jason Taylor comp? Anderson was a few inches taller though. Yeah, it's hard because Jason Taylor's a 6'7", Anderson's a 6'4", so it's not just a matter of an inch or two. We're talking three inches of legit difference between them. And Jason Taylor probably had about an inch, inch and a half of arm length because, you know, you get to about 6'6", as a pass rusher, and it starts to become more about a length game than it becomes about a bend-dip game. Yeah, you see that Carlos Dunlap showed us this, right, in recent years. Just it's, you're, it's more you're trying to lock those linemen out and keep their arms off, get their hands off of you a little bit. So I can't quite get to that point with with the Taylor comp. I mean, to me, the, the Jason Taylor comp in this draft is Andre Carter. And it's not a good comp. He's not Jason Taylor's level of talent in any way, shape, or form. But if you're looking for the guy who looks like Jason Taylor in this draft, it's Andre Carter all day long. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess Taylor was a little bendy. A little bit. I just didn't, I, when I think of Taylor, I do think of like, you know, length to the rip, length to the rip, you know, locks you out with the length. Here comes the rip and then he's dipping around you, but he's first kind of put you on your heels with that, with that, with that punch. <laughs> Jody's smiling, shake your head, boys will be boys. That's right. Greg says, Do you think we can fleece the Jets by trading? G oh, sorry, sorry about that one. My bad. My bad. Someone asked about Trent Simpson. I like him, but I'm I'm worried about him on the inside. His move to the inside wasn't the greatest this year. Mason Zorn staying right near the mint large inbox set. And by the way, when are you getting the uh, chest of steel front and center? I, I got to get his card. I got to I have to just find his card somewhere, Megan. I mean, if I can locate it on eBay somewhere, I I, I guess I just gotta I gotta find it. You know, it's gonna be buried, no doubt. Uh, Kronos says, so to talk about actual Seahawks news, how about Blythe retiring? Yeah, probably was very well aware his days of starting were going to be over with, and uh, it was a future of probably at that point backing up if he wanted to remain in the league, and after all the years he's probably played, going, that's not me at this point. And I get it. I'd probably be in the same place if I was him. Justin Goins, I mean, Rogers is starting a country music career. I could see it. How about Tom Brady? He's going to be a stand-up comic. Like, what? Huh? Did not see that one coming. Did not see that one coming. Lance says, I think the cool thing with all the options, trade or no trade, Gino or not, all of the options are fun and interesting. It feels different, not Seahawks-like. 
trade down. Let's do this year. This is every year. Let's do this every year. I agree, man. We've been so much more, I think, in a rigid place that our offseason has have gone through in recent history where there's not a lot of flexibility. You kind of know the road you're going to go down and it's not going to be particularly exciting. This year, it's exciting. There's, there's so many different permutations that this could take and it's fun and, and it's to consider the different iterations. I think uh, this is part about what getting geeky about football is about to me. Red Ace says, I really hope we do come out of the first round with JMS. That'd be uh, uh, Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, and the best defensive player. After that, we can go best player available. Imagine having the center and two tackle spots taken care of for the next five years. That would be great, Red Ace. Sign me up for it, man. If we take Schmitz at 20, I'm okay with that. I'll get it. And Udero says, Brandon, you made me see the light on the likelihood of getting at least a second rounder for Gino for, tr- for a trade, considering what teams gave up for Wentz and Ryan, et cetera. That's the track record in Udero, you know? And if the baseline is set in football, the baseline tends to be set. It's like moving up in the draft to the top one or two in the draft. Like you're giving up probably three first round picks. You know, the, the going rate may be obscene and it is probably obscene to, to, to get it for one year of Gino, a second and a third, or just a second even. But the market rate's the market rate, you know? It's kind of the upside for the fact that quarterbacks end up costing all this money. It's like, well, then that's the value of them, isn't it? Jeffrey says, uh, tomorrow the draft stock of all the defensive line and linebacker will rise or fall. Let the combine begin. That's right. That's right. I think it's March 7th, Jeffrey. You got to have the franchise tag by March 7th was what I heard reported today. Uh, in utero, how much did t- Payne get tag ports? Like, is it 19 million? Ooh, defensive tackles cost a lot of money. That franchises. Whew. They're going to have to do something though with that one. They've got a, Washington's got just a strange whole situation to deal with that defensive line one with. It's not a fun place where they're at right now. D-Boy says, I feel special with what's up. Brandon's good to be here. It's good to have you here, man, D-Boy. It's never the same when you're not in the chat on the in the house, bro. We need you in here, man. Come on. It's draft time. Got to put on our game face here. It ain't baseball season yet. Greg Kemp says, uh, uh, I know, Brandon, uh, you said the same about Taylor wide rec- uh, Baylor wide receivers, but I'll say I like what I've seen from him uh, unblocked, chasing backside so far. I'll keep watching, though. Yeah, no worries. And I'm not, I, that's where I feel like sometimes I'll pick a, pit a, little, pick a little bit of too much apart on certain guys where, you know, the, the bottom line fashion comes down to it is that he's a, he's, a prime, um, he's a prime prospect in this draft, Greg. If we do pick him, I'm going to be excited by him. Um, there, there's really not a lot of guys we could take there at five that I'm going to be like, eh. Uh, there's other options I'd like maybe better, but I'm not going to be in a place I was with like the LJ Collier pick or the Jordan Brooks pick or, you know, one where it's like this pick is just makes no sense to me at all. Tyree Wilson makes sense. It's for a need. It's for a guy highly talented. Like we talk about with the quarterbacks, if I'm going to take a player, say nothing of how close he is to realizing that ceiling, give me a guy with some ceiling. Don't, don't give me the, you know, don't give me the, the, the pessimistic, right? Skeptical view of prospects where you're trying to find that high floor like Tim Ruskell would do back in the day for our Hawks. Give me the guy with the upside. 
give me the ceiling, dude. So Tyree Wilson's that guy. And uh, that does get me excited about him. And it probably does come off a little bit like I'm just lukewarm, but I'm not. I'm definitely not. And even with it being Texas Tech, that wouldn't be enough to completely push me from necessarily going at him at that point. I might be okay with it. Deron Jason's Carson Wentz should pay Seahawks $5 million to play. <laughs> Sounds right. Wentz to the XFL. That's it's that or he's backing up. No one's giving him a starting spot. Garth says it's weird how Wentz went from what he was early in Philly to what he is now. Was it leg or arm injuries that caused this? It's always hard to say with that Garth because he did have kind of a myriad of injuries, right? Was he a little less mobile after tearing the ACL? He had some back injuries. Did that maybe rob him of accuracy, arm strength, and throwing? Um, I, it's a lot of, I'd just be providing a lot of conjecture on my part to tell you I know one way or another on that because I don't. Uh, I do think a little bit of his success, Garth, it's part of what started to inform me a little bit about looking at the quarterback position in a new way. As Carson comes in the door there to Philly, and they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And this sounds familiar, right? Because this is the same thing that they provided Jalen Hurts and the success that he's had. And Jalen Hurts comes out and almost gives you an MVP-like season as well. I don't think that there's any coincidence in that, that you have the same team applying the same philosophy of really valuing and building up the rest of the team and then bringing that young quarterback in and then watching that young quarterback flourish because they have so much to work with around them. And that's what's starting to inform me more about my philosophy and how I'm looking at quarterbacks as we go forward. And I think that's a big part of what's impacted Wentz. Now, if you provided Wentz the exact same team that he had in Philly when he first walked in the door like that, and is he going to play at the same level now? Maybe not to your point. Maybe there has been something a little bit physically lost from him over this time period. But there's a part of me that does become a little bit intrigued by the thought processes that quarterback success can be driven so heartily by you putting a team together that is so kind of stacked up offensively around them, that puts them in such a position to succeed. Tom Eaton says, yeah, I can see our Andre Carter, but man, Taylor was such a stud on some pretty bad teams. Still ended up with 139 sacks and nine freaking touchdowns. Later is kind of amazing. Oh yeah. No, earned being a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. That guy's first ballot all day and well-deserving, well-deserving. So, um, yeah, I wish Carter was a little bit better as a prospect because the comparison would be better fit there. But you, you got to – it's all its all just simply from a silhouette <laughs> style, first-step quickness kind of thing too, which Taylor had a little bit of with. Uh, Kronos has been celebrating nine months as a Hawks Nest member, and I really do appreciate that, Kronos. He says, hey, some good news. Tamarian Terry's charges have been dropped and will be trying out this offseason. Is he out? Is he our number three, four? I would love to see it, Kronos. Tamarian Terry is a guy that I'd love coming out when the draft was an undrafted rookie for agent. He had me super excited. His tape was awesome. And he was also an, a great gunner. I mean, here's a guy, you want a third or fourth wide receiver, you want to make sure you're not only getting a receiver, but a guy that can be a gunner, that can, can have that effect. And he was one of the best gunners in all of the draft coming out at the same time from Florida State. So uh, I, hope, I hope we're kicking the tires back on that one again, and we can maybe talk that kid into coming aboard here. Um, but man, the hell with Georgia for doing him dirty like that. That's, that's just big dirty. Krug says, here's what I do. Trade Gino to the Jets for 13, Go back to a 4-3, trade a second for Payne, sign B-Wags, draft Jalen Carter at 5, Miles Murphy at 13, John Michael Schmidt at 20, and Simpson in the second. Thoughts? How can you be angry with any of that, Grug? 
I mean, I, I, how can I not be anything but loving that as a potential if they could pull that off? You end up out of the draft with, um, you end up out of the draft with, uh, let's see, Jalen Carter, Miles Murphy, John Michael Smith, and Trent Simpson with your first four, four picks. Um, you have another second round pick later in the draft at that point. Oh no, you traded for Deron Payne and I got Deron Payne. I mean, the only thing is you don't have a quarterback in that scenario, but I mean, I'd be okay with that. If they got that grug, it's hard to be mad at that, man. Hard not to just be like, hell yeah. In utero says, uh, Sorry, in utero. There we go. Uh, in utero says, Brandon, do you see a scenario where we trade down, stay in the top 10, and draft a quarterback with that pick? If so, what additional draft picks do you think we would receive? If I see a scenario where we trade, stay in the top 10, draft a quarterback with that pick. I don't in utero because if somebody's going to then trade up for us at our pick, then it has to be for one of two things. Either one, then that means that there's two quarterbacks still remaining when we pick at five, right? So rather than Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Levis going in the top four, one of those guys slides down with Anthony Richardson because whoever in utero is trading up with us to move back to still stay within the top 10 is moving up for a quarterback. I don't think I buy anybody's moving up in this draft to go get Tyree Wilson or Miles Murphy or even B. John Robinson. You know, the running back position has been hard-pressed to have anybody picked even in the first round. Now we're going to have this year where a running back's going to have not only picked in the top 10, but somebody's going to trade up extra picks to go get him, two on top of it. There's just not the talent up there to necessitate some, to me, in utero, and, and someone making that trade for that way. It has to be for a quarterback, and I just don't think there's likely to be two QBs at five, which would be the requirement if you were going to move back to stay in the top 10 to still get the quarterback if you're moving back. You need two to, to get that done. Yeah, Big Country, Brady is a stand-up. I did not did not see that one coming as in a potential. Megan says, we're looking at Sports Track this morning and saw that they have Geno's value at 39.9 million. What say you be? Uh, their whole um their whole way that they came up with those numbers. I've heard a few of these numbers from Sports Track on their projections, Megan, and they're all arbitrary. You know, they're pulling those numbers out their butt. And so I don't I don't put a lot on them. Kind of like, eh, okay. I, I'm, maybe it's around where he's worth, but it's a little high. Most of the numbers I've seen on that have been a little bit high. Tommy says, you are what your record says you are. Market rate is the market rate. There are just a lot of not-so-hidden facts in the NFL. Costs a lot to move up, even for nobody. Cough, Lance, that's true. It's very true. Space, uh, I don't know a whole lot about our new quarterback coach, man. I'm sorry. I haven't had a chance to do much of a big deep dive on him at this point. Tommy says, so normally if you franchise tag someone, it costs two first-round picks by rule to trade for them. Teams, of course, can negotiate that, but the rules say it starts at two first, I think. Yes, if, if you just sign purely to a contract, but if you trade, it's, you, can, you can do it for less at that point, obviously. Jack, if Carter falls, I could see Wilson going within the first four picks, which might leave us one less option. Could, Jack. It's definitely not helpful, this situation happening as it has. Lance says, the draft is the best. I used to watch ESPN on Monday and Tuesday mornings before school doing the draft. 13 rounds in a hotel basement with a staticky TV hoping the Hawks would draft the Magic player. I remember those days as well, Lance. I do remember those days. Old school ESPN draft coverage was awesome. 
not bad now, I guess, but something about it back in the day because I guess so new. What's up, Sajin? It's good to see you in the chat, man. In uterus, it sucks. Tyree can't do the drills at the combine. He'll probably do them for his pro day, though. As long as we get the numbers before it's all said and done. It would be good to have him there, though. You're not wrong about that. That's the, that's the ideal is we get him running them both. Greg says, well, there's always Hennon Hooker in the third, right, B? That's true, Greg. I was thinking, just thinking, I was going to say that at the end of what I was going to say with that, that, yeah, just then you grab Hennon in the third, man, you know? Hell, I would at that point, Greg, if you have that draft set up like that, I might even package like a third and a fourth rounder at that point to get back into the second rounder just to make sure I got Hennon at that point, you know? I might, I might be willing to even go up on that route of it. But I like it, man. I love where your head's at with it. Jeffrey says, I think Jalen Carter definitely drops. Some teams are really big on character issues. Pete Carroll lets his players be themselves, laughing out loud. I agree. Uh, Gaming Taco says, everyone subscribe to this hard work, man. Thank you, Gaming Taco. Appreciate you, man, for mentioning that. Mr. Isaac, what's up, Brandon? Good to see you on, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see you too, Mr. Isaac. Thanks for jumping on in. I guess as I saw it being thought a little high for me. Yeah. Sure. Uh, CJ Kurzman, Brandon, did you see the reports today that the Seahawks are keenly interested in bringing back B-Wags? I did. I did. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, CJ. You know, there's, there's the thought process first about all that you have to, you're going to need to go get two middle linebackers this offseason one way or another. Jordan Brooks is not likely totally ready at the start of the year. And even if he is, he's not established himself from a place that you feel great about how his level of play has been. Um, so first off the gate, there's that opening. Uh, I'm hearing reports maybe that Tremaine Edmonds and other other guys like that, these middle linebackers are going that might get $17, $18 million a year out in the free market. I don't want to spend those kind of rates even on a younger guy. Bobby would be significantly less than that. You have familiarity with him. He provides value to you, not only on the locker room, but pre-play snapping and snap out and just the way he reads and diagnoses plays and how he can help out the youngsters. And then what it allows you to do at that point, in my opinion, is that you you sign him and then you go and draft your young guy that is alongside him and is a running mate and you deal with the position that way. I think that's a very straightforward way to just get this kind of sorted out. Um, and I'm kind of expecting it to happen, CJ. I, I'm expecting Bobby to come back here. I do. Long live the King. Why have no free agent quarterbacks been signed yet? Are teams just waiting until the last minute as strategy? No, I, I think uh, first it's different reasons for different players, King. First with Carr, you know, he's the bell of the ball. So he's going along and he's, he's going to all these places and he's making them wine and dine him, you know, and, and, you know, do you love me? Do you love me, New York? Do you love me, New Orleans? Hmm? How about you? How about you over here? How about you over here, Carolina? What about you, Mr. Frank Reich? Do you like the car? Love the car. Love the Now, that's what we're getting here from Derek. Um, Garoppolo, I don't think there's people lining up for Garoppolo at $20 million a year. I, I, I don't think there's people lining up for Baker Mayfield at $7 million a year. You know, these, these guys that are on the market, as I've said for a while with this long-lived king, 
and Brennan made the greatest comparison about this a couple weeks ago of, of just the musical chairs. The musical chairs represent the amount of teams needing a quarterback. The, the number available of really strong, solid quarterbacks you feel good about is actually fairly small. People want to talk about there being a big free agent class of quarterbacks, but they suck and teams know what they are and teams are not going to be sold on these guys. And that's going to leave teams to be reticent to pull, to, to pull the trigger on these guys. And so I'm not surprised if they don't last for a while through this process. If teams really start of kind of king, you know, wring their hands a little bit over this one and then end up begrudgingly taking a guy as opposed to reaching out and really aggressively going to try to find somebody that really, 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 really fits. Seahawks Gaming says it's a misdemeanor for Carter. It can't be that bad. Jalen Carter messed up the whole board. Everybody's going one pick ahead now. It's definitely, uh, definitely changing some things. That's for sure. Saijin, thank you for the $5 donation, Saijin. I do appreciate it. He says, I'm sorry, Brandon, but I'm going to request my favorite guy. I need to hear the Christopher Walken impression again. Yep. Well, thank you for the $5 donation, my guy. And you know what? I got you. I got you on this. Give me a little. I wonder, Saijin, what we're going to do this offseason... No Desai, no Fangio, no cover two shell. We don't blitz. What are they going to do with his defense now? I'd like to know. No one's telling me. I ask. Do you know? I don't know. Do you know? Who knows? Maybe somebody out there tomorrow will know who it is we're going to have as our assistant coach. But it ain't Desai. I don't know what happened, but Philly. They came in and they took him. Why? You're going to take out the side. It's Oz. It's our coach. You can't have him. I don't know what's going on. How are we going to win now? I want to win tomorrow, but probably going to lose. I'm going to run this defense. Maybe time for 4-3. I don't know. Why don't you tell me, Sajin, which way you want to go with this? Because too much to know on this. Thank you for the $5 donation, Sajin. It's a little off tonight, Milwaukee. He's a little needs a little time to come out. It's hard when you pull him from the back. But I'll tell you, I'm worried. Sajin, what are we gonna do? No, decide we lost our mastermind. I need my maestro. Somebody give me a cowbell with a Fangio coach. <laughs> I'm trying, it's not great today. This kind of news has got me all broken up. Appreciate you on the donation, bro. Christopher does too. I'm going to give my cat a salmon treat that I don't know. Tonight. Jeffrey Nicholson says, where did Charles Riley crawl off to? I missed that guy. <laughs> Garth Knight is Charles Riley. And Charles Riley is Garth Knight. Deadly says, Hendon Hooker isn't making it to our third round pick. We would have to use our late second round pick or trade up early in the third. That's why I was thinking, Deadly, is we package third and fourth, maybe another pick next year, get back up into the second, and then get him there. I agree with you. I do concur. And you do, I'd love if we took Hooker. He's great. Ethan, Brandon, uh, what are your thoughts on the John Schneider interview today? I like everything he said when it came to his thoughts on evaluating quarterbacks. 
Uh, yeah, I, it was all nothing but plus, plus, plus for me. Um, I think the main takeaways for me were, uh, you know, again, confirming last year was about picking for value, picking for best player available. And he's reiterated this a couple times, but he finally, I thought, really put a exclamation point on it today or in this recent interview he did give that that was the approach that they changed to last year in a major way. So that provides me a lot of confidence moving into the future, Ethan, that they're going to continue to draft really well if they operate from that same standpoint of success. Uh, the Geno contract negotiations are progressing, but they're not close. Um, and yeah, I thought the talk about the quarterbacks and his view of it was was interesting one. Where it's like, even if we sign Geno, we've got to look at these quarterbacks. And certainly some of this, Ethan, is kind of letting the teams know above him, like you can't count on the fact we're just going to pass on a quarterback because we have Geno at that point. You want your guy, you got to come get your guy. So there's a little bit of that to play too with it. But uh, everything that I heard from him was pretty positive with what he said. Ethan, you know, everything was uh, in pretty well alignment with what you'd hope your general manager would be saying this. I don't think he gave you a whole lot from the interview, but I liked what I heard. Greg says, yeah, that's my new offseason plan I came up with is by far my favorite so far. I think a D-line consisting of Murphy, Cardi, Payne, and Ma, uh, Mafe Nuoso would be, dare I say, generational. I could see it, man. I could see it. In Euro so far, every draft, Pete and John have been up front about their direction. I expect them to draft a quarterback now. Now, they're definitely not a big smokescreen guys, are they? Jeffrey says, channeling so much positivity to bring Bobby back. Me too, man. Ethan says, also, what are your thoughts on Pete and John talking about how much they love bringing back players that are part of the family? I get it, but I don't want to do that just because, like, Quentin Jefferson. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that they, they speak about it in terms of understanding that this is a place that people recognize the value of when they leave. And that's more of when he's acknowledging that Ethan, it's saying we do things right here. And sometimes the player doesn't always realize how right it's being done here until they go to a different place and see it in other spots. Um, and that I think what they're part of what him saying it and the way he was saying it was because it was being asked in conjunction with the whole Russell Wilson, uh, you know, and him saying it's water under the bridge about him trying to get them fired and stuff. So it's also a little bit of like, we're always going to keep this door open for former players. The door is always open for them to return rather than not having the water under the bridge, the water going over the bridge. You know, that would be, that would be, I think what he was kind of, he, he was speaking in some subtleties there, Ethan, I think in how he was describing that, but he was saying a little bit of something there, but I agree. You don't want to just fall too much in love with your own guys. And that's certainly something that this team has. Benson Mayo being another guy that was in that kind of realm, right? You brought him back for a second stop. Wasn't exactly a great second stop, but he was a guy you knew, you know. So it, it's probably a little bit of a double-edged sword on that one. Uh, Megan says, I need some Cosell. Uh, understand if you can't this late be. No, it's all good. Ladies and gentlemen, it is very rare that you enter a draft season with what is the consensus. Number one pick on the board finding himself in legal trouble overnight, tumbling afar off of a precipitous fall that no one can gauge when he will hit the bottom. Will this toss the destabilizing and destructive indubitable force of Jalen Carter from the first round of this draft or is he like the mighty Phoenix, able to find a way somehow in the depths of the South to turn this situation around? 
and regain his draft footing as one of the best prospects we've seen in recent years. I don't know. It seems early to tell. But one thing is for sure. Jalen has blown a big chance to be the number one overall player selected in the upcoming draft. For even if he is now a first-round pick, it is undoubted, impossible, nary a chance that he goes number one overall. I'm Howard Cosell, telling you like it is. There you go, Megan. Got you a little bit. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad for three hours in. One bad for three hours in there. More cowbell. I'm telling you, no decide. You better give me some cowbell now. Not tomorrow. Now. Uh, Brian Myers says, so what happens with Locke going to Tampa Bay? Is he going to Tampa Bay? Is that what's going down, Brian? Is that happening? I hadn't seen the reports on that. And you just laughing my ass off. Great impression, Brandon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It wasn't quite a It took him a while. Sometimes he's slow. He's tired. I like to take naps all the time. I sleep. I'm tired. The cotton news freaked me out all the time. Uh, Grug says, I understand the whole McDowell PTSD take, but Carter is significantly better prospect than McDowell was. And McDowell probably had a worse character issues. I think, Greg, you tapped at the bottom line of how I feel about that situation, too. I can see it in general terms. I can kind of see it, but there was sort of a stack with McDowell, I think. I don't know if we've quite got to the point where there's a stack of stuff with Carter. No, maybe. Jack says, walking is by far your best. Thank you, Jack. I try all the time to get better. It's hard. It speaks so weird. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Uh, Seahawks Gaming, John Schneider talks about darker, young, uh, uh, darker, young, more, uh, oh, Derek Young. <laughs> oh, Seahawks Gaming, you took me a second on that one. <laughs> I was like, is this, this is comment about to go real, real raw here. Uh, John Schneider talks about Derek Young more than he did any other players in his era, like he's an up and coming Hall of Famer. Um, he's definitely very high on him gaming. And I mean, to your point on this, John Schneider just had potentially the best draft that he's had in his history. And he was asked at which player is going to take the biggest, largest leap going into next year. Is it going to be Boye Mafe? Is it going to be Kenneth Walker? Is going to tap into Superstar? And he said, no, he said Derek Young was the guy that he pointed to. So uh, he is very high on him. And to your point on that Seahawks gaming, Schneider's not a guy that just tends to, um, you know, gas up prospects for the hell of it. And, and that's not been his MO in recent years past. So, no. Tommy says, Cowboy, Fangio coach. That's what I need. I get those two. We're going to win. You want to win? Give me a cowbell, a Fangio coach, and a bottle of water. My throat. I can't breathe. Why do I? Uh, Bryce Young measured in at six foot and a half inch, 195 pounds. That's a big deal. I think he just sealed going number one. That, that, those measurements are off, man. Uh, but you're right. Why do I, it says, uh, IMO if Seattle does a background check and thinks Carter's worth it. Uh, who am I to counter that? That's where I stand, man. If their background check passes off, that's good enough for me. I don't think John Schneider at this point with the McDowell situation in his past 
if that stuff doesn't align up, is going to pull the is going to look to grab Carter at that point. I think he would pass. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on that too, just like you are with that. Boy, six foot and a half. That guy does not look six foot and a half. Hey, I, I feel like they I feel like you walked in there with some like fake feet on or something. He's got some of those Bigfoot feet on, you know. Somebody check the somebody check the skin around the ankle. You know what I mean? Some, something something's off on that one. Tommy says, if John wasn't blowing sunshine up our arse, I like what he said. I think we're in good hands. Me too, man. Me too. Why do I says young weighed in his drug test? I got to look that up. I looked it up earlier today. It must have just broke then the news on that. Why do I was trying to try to find that. Uh, free indeed says, do we have Ugabuki under contract? He was exciting on kick returns. Yes. Free. He'll be on a veteran minimum deal. Free indeed. Rookie kind of contract thing. Very cheap, but he's ours. Sam the Great Carter's giving Melkai for a migraine. It's because they don't do this very often. Number one prospect done. Damn it. Uh, Grug, I, I feel like the comments from Pete and John were mostly smokescreen, but they totally drafted quarterback at five. Yeah. They're not going to, they're, they're never a team that shows you much of their hand exactly. They'll be a little upfront about certain things, but. They're not going to just like, oh no, you know, you're going to get the, the cloak and dagger stuff. Uh, CJ Kersman, could I see the Seahawks drafting a center in the second round? Certainly, man. Hell, I could see it in the first round, CJ. But definitely in the second round. You're going to have to prioritize it. There says, but how much does Bryce Young weigh? Well, that will be interesting too. Joe Biden's make wish Earl and Russ are the only two that burned all the bridges on coming back. Agreed. That's accurate. Green 80, has Bryce Young been hurt in college? Yes, he has. Tommy says Bryce Young's the most talented wide receiver to ever play quarterback. Ethan Tech World. So Brandon, uh, every morning when Jerry Jones walks into Jerry's world, what do you think he has to say to his staff? We're not winning a Super Bowl yet today, are we? Are you winning a Super Bowl right now? Are you winning the day? All right. It's the Cowboys now. All right. Monica, Monica, get off the computer. I see Amazon up. Stop buying stuff. Stop buying stuff with Jerry Jones' money, okay? Stop it. You need to be finding us a good player. I don't care if you're secretary. Why aren't you watching tape? You need to be grinding tape, Monica. We're the Cowboys, all right? This is the Cowboys, C-O-W, all right? This ain't, this ain't Washington down here, all right, Maka? All right? Beverly, Be- I see you over there right now. You're playing, you're playing Candy Crush now, all right? It's the Cowboys. You're going to play for America's team. You're going to be an officer of America's team. You're going to be secretary of America's team. I better see you grind some tape. Why don't you tell me about Miles Murphy? Oh, you don't know about Miles Murphy? That's no, no, I don't want to hear any excuses now. You call yourself a Cowboys employee? You want to be a world champion? Jerry Jones is a world champion. My son, Steven, not so much. Daddy, don't start with me today. He's not so much now, okay? Jerry, I'm a champion, though. You're not right now, Monk, okay? You're losing me right now. What? You're, I, I won't hear about answering phones. You're going to make the Cowboys better. That's answering a phone or grinding tape. You do one of two.
Krug says, uh, again, the Seahawks have been patient with guys who've been had worse character issues than Carter. I still feel like John Schneider would pull the trigger on him at five. I hope you're right, Krug. I hope you're right. I do. Because I would pull the trigger too. Megan says, Candy Crush Super Bowl is the only way Jerry can win. I don't appreciate that, okay, Megan? Jerry Jones don't appreciate that, all right? I'm getting her off that candy crushing. You're trying to excuse your candy crushing, okay? I need to know what cornerbacks are going to fit this secondary right now. And I got my secondaries. I got my secretaries not even understanding what a heck a 3-4 defense is. How am I going to get here now, Megan? Huh? How am I going to get here? I'm a world champion. I'm going to get there with my secretaries playing candy crush. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Tommy, and someday E.T. and Russ will be smoking a bowl on a couch somewhere and Russ will turn to E.T. and say, I'm Mr. Unlimited. And E.T. E. will just give him the finger and it'll be all, it'll be all will be right in the world. Exactly. It's the type keeping to the type. And Udo says, if the quarterback, NFL keeps the quarterback push legal, I want a quarterback we can do that with. Hell, I'd have just a specialist on the roster who could do it at that point, right? You're our push man. I'll have a, uh, you know. But the NFL is going to outlaw that stuff this offseason. They're not going to they're they're not going to let that continue to go. It's a it's a stupid play. It's dumb. It's real dumb. Lance says uh must be the same height scale as the one for Russ. If Russ is 5'10 and 5'8, then I'm 6'1. I never quite made it to 6 foot. Stood next to Russ at the quarterback camp and it felt like I could post him up in the on the block. I agree, Lance. I've long had this suspicion about this, that there's some funny number height stuff being put out by the NFL at these times at these places. And I've heard the very same thing about Russ from friends that are like 5'9", that were like, I was towering over the guy at 5'9". I was like, really? So, yeah, he, I, I, he's six foot. Uh, you know, I'm 7'2". Okay? Yeah? He's, foot, he's six foot. I'm Akeem Elijah one. Okay? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Megan says, I'm all about that Hawks, Jerry. How you like that? I'm trying to make you understand. Now, I know you, Megan, with your Seahawks fandom, you don't have the three Super Bowls, Jerry Jones, okay? You don't have that, you don't have that destination of winning in your heart like we do down here in Dallas, okay? I understand that. You let your secretaries just answer phones and do all whatever with their candy crushes. But not here. Here we're grinding tape all day long. Or we're getting new secretaries. This is called Jerry's world, not secretary world. Sajin, how we feel about the Sea Dragons? I don't have, I don't have, uh, I don't have a lot of seas. I don't know, I don't know much about the Sea Dragons yet. I gotta watch a little bit more on them. CJ says, uh, have BBK's injuries somehow kept him on the team simply by being by not being able to see him in action yet? This will be his fifth year if he sticks, but it feels closer to eight. Boy, that's very true, man. It does seem like he's been here for a decade, doesn't it? Um, yeah, that's probably maybe he's in a weird quasi way helped because they can kind of stash him a bit. Um, some of it is that torn ACL had some extra stuff with the surgeries he had to go through to get him to the other side, which meant uh, he was not going to be, you know, it was going to take a bit of time. You know what I mean? It was, it was going to take a bit of time. Uh, so we'll see where he is this next year. He's a little undersized for me as a 3-4 inside linebacker i mean that guy's like 510 but we don't have a lot of bodies there right now that's for sure 
Why do I says the John Schneider press conference when he talked about the 2022 draft process, he said he filed the two biggest needs. He, he filled the two biggest needs and then went best player available. I think the clear first need is defensive tackle and need number two for me is center. I see Schmitz going 20. Schmitz going 20 seems very much like one that, that seems like a, I love where your head's at on that. Cause that seems like kind of a, a very much a high likelihood of where this is kind of going and driving. And I think you're right to kind of put all that together in that way. And that this is what this is sort of tangibly telling you and where it's, it will go with it. Um, so I agree. It was one of the things I took from the Schneider press conference as well is that there was going to be a heavy drive towards best player available. But certainly, like you said, with the first couple of picks last year, there was at least a little bit of a draw with those early picks to go towards maybe a little bit more need. Tommy, Z, Tommy Eden says, uh, you need to actually publish a YouTube skit with Jerry Walken and Nolte doing draft day trade for Gino. <laughs> there we go, man. Uh, I was thinking about doing a satirical bit like that kind of working something in. I'm going to do, I was going to do a satirical video, kind of like the pathway of what I did with the Gollum Schneider thing. Uh, but I was going to do it with like Jerry Jones calling like all the owners. I'd have like Dan Schneider calling Schneider. I'd have, I've had Dan Schneider calling R Schneider to try to do trade up. And then I'd have like, you know, um, Mark Davis trying to trade up with the Raiders and then Jerry Jones trading up and doing little impressions on him. So I'm going to do, I think something like that before the draft, Tommy. It's a great idea, man. What's up, D-Nuggets? Says hi, gang. Watching the Z-Tac airport. Hopefully off to have some fun somewhere. DS's latest video with Gollum was amazing. Thank you, D-Nugget. I had a good time putting that one together. I was kind of on one with that one. See how the great says, at least Wilson had muscle on him. I got to take Bryce to a buffet. Yeah. Very light. Very, very light. And you're right about that. Wilson was at least a little on the thicker, thicker side of things with it. Um... Okay, uh, bear with me, guys. I'll be uh, right back. We are going to probably do a little bit of a shorter show here today. So just a little bit longer on this because we're going to be going back, coming back tomorrow with Brendan on the channel. So um, we will kind of parse through some things fairly on the end of this, but I will be back in just a moment. Sam the Great says, I'd say, I'll say Bryce is 5'10", 190 after a steak meal. Yeah, I bet as well. He's 180. I bet he's 182 pounds on game day this year.
Uh, why do I says, in case anyone missed it, I was totally kidding about the Bryce Young thing. You had me bought in one. I was in, man. I was like, I could see them messing with the heights like that. They're like, you know, I, I could even go conspiracy on you. Where like the NFL would amp up the hype just a little bit to make it look a little bit better. You know what I mean? It's like, oof. Oof. Hope you have a good, safe flight out there, D-Nugget. Like I said, I hope you're getting to go somewhere fun, man. I, I need to get out myself. It's about time for a little trip. About time for a little vacay. Did I miss the LFL? The LFL? What's the LFL? Man, you and me, Jerry, let's go. <laughs> Uh, Dean, I assume Brandon already addressed the Pete interview on PFT about Russ. Yeah, I think they're they're playing the they're being the like letting it go into the water. Like, I mean, this is the nice part about kind of winning out this year if you're Pete and John. It's like you know you took your you took your you took your hits last year, but now you're sort of proven somewhat de facto right in this. It's like you don't have to say much. Like you kind of won, you know. So you can just sit back with a smile and be like, yeah, water under the bridge. Yeah, meh, no biggie. Tommy says, uh, look, 15 pairs of socks and two and, and two big uh, two-inch spike. He might get to 6-1. Yeah, I, 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 if, if I was him, I would do the fake feet. You know, like go to Hollywood, go find one of the special effects people and be like, hey, can you give me the Hobbit feet? You know, and just put some risers under the bottom part of it. And I'll just, you know, we'll have a lot of hair on the top of the foot and that'll throw them off. So they know that they don't go too deep into thinking they're fake. I totally do it. I think I heard back in the day, like some prospect or another put like sand or something for the scales to get more weight. I've heard there've been some tricks over the years. Daniel says, I think we will be leaning towards Will Levis, AR at five. How will you feel about AR at five spot? I'm okay with it, Daniel. I think if you asked me this month or two ago, I, I would have been less good with it. But understanding now and looking at the evaluation of the rest of the prospects that are available at that pick, I think what's really drives me to being more all right with the AR pick at five and the time it's going to take for him to develop is the fact that the talent isn't as good as I'd like. It isn't as good as you'd normally be getting, Daniel, at number five in previous year's drafts. You know, this is a very unique year in that respect where the, it, there, there is a dearth, there are very, very little um, top end talent there. And the, the guys you're selecting, they're big question marks. So if there's big question marks about everybody I'm picking anyway, why not then just go for the quarterback who's likely to be the most talented quarterback in this draft? Maybe not the closest to reaching that potential, but the most potential there nonetheless. That's what kind of has started to inform me on this, Daniel, and getting me kind of, you know, turned around to a position on this, I think, that's a little bit different from where I started with it. Because I was hesitant before, but I, I can't be now, I think. Especially after today's news. Dean Duggett says, going to Houston to visit my parents' dad is getting old, heading towards the end of zone life. I'm sorry, man. That's sad to hear. Hopefully it's some nice, sunny, beautiful weather, at least down there. Scott's Gaming, Lucas Van Ness. Man, he's a cardinal at pick three. I would love to see the Cardinals take Lucas Van Ness. <laughs> at three. <laughs> he's got a lot of people to love him. I, I see Ryan Kerrigan myself. It's hard to get excited about Ryan Kerrigan as an equivalent draft prospect, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Megan says, I bought Hobbit feed at Hobbiton, uh, which is now hang on my wall. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. They sell that stuff. Uh, in utero, I used, to ha I used to have to cover the LL and my wife hated it. LL? What's the L? What's the LL? Tommy says, it sucks though. If he was four inches or five inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, I would, I would love Young as a quarterback. He throws with some pretty good anticipation. He does. And you're right. As people said, he'd be considered the number one quarterback prospect in this far, this trap by far. But then of course, Tommy, at that point, there'd be no chance of us getting him. You know, he wouldn't be lasting to five at that point if he was five inches and 30 pounds heavier. Overnight, salute to you as well, my friend. It's good to see you in the chat. Carter might be out. We'll see on that. Probably. Why do I? says, I, I know uh, for others, Carter is kryptonite now, but hoping super hard, he ends up good to go in a hawk. Uh, I've, done, I've done what the young man is accused of at that age too, minus the death. I learned he can too. Well said, man. Well said. I, I feel the way you feel about this on that too. And I think people can learn and improve. Yeah, he's in trouble. Sam the Great says, get a King's Ransom at five. I think that'll happen after today. I think it's very possible. Three quarterbacks go in the top four. Will Anderson goes in the top four. That leaves the number four quarterback, the only true first round grade worthy quarterback left on the board for your Hawks at that pick. Is there going to be a team willing to jump to the forefront, make a crazy town trade, give us that King's ransom and have us giggling our, our asses off through the rest of this draft as we think about the massive haul that we just pulled through? Could very well happen, I think. DJ says there was some point, there was some point the same time last year at the Combine, Sean Schneider was really high on center Dakota Shepley, but it never worked out. Yeah, some of it again too, DJ, is a little bit of the smokescreen stuff. He doesn't want to indicate that they have a weakness at center. He wants to make it seem like they have a position of strength at center so that he doesn't show his hand. And in that case, trying to show his hand for a guy like Tyler Linderbaum. So I, I think that's part of that smokescreen stuff. Tygen Ladies Football League, Brando. Oh, Ladies Football League. Okay. Wait, huh? What? Um... Seahawks Gaming, I bet, uh, I bet you GM brought it up to the police on purpose on Carter so he could fall. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Daniel says, I disagree, but I think I thank you for your counterpoint about the I'm the golden ticket and watching the ticket fade away. You might be thinking my mom needs this. My grandma needs this. Thanks for the counter. Uh, I disagree with your, uh, but I thank you for your counterpoint about I'm the golden ticket and watching that ticket fade away. You might be thinking... My mom needs this. My grandma needs this. Thanks for the counter. Absolutely. And let me just to, just to, to I mean, a, a tip of a cap back towards you on this one, Daniel. I, I can understand people that are in the place where you're at on it as well. I, I don't want to, you know, hopefully I don't come off as feeling like, you know, you guys have no right to judge him on this stuff. Like the end of the day, you know, football is, is to play football, to be paid to play football is a privilege. And it's one that is not guaranteed to you or given to you or prescribed to you because you're naturally talented it is a privilege and privileges are earned and privileges get lost and you know it's it, it, it's just because you have failed to recognize that and you go call I was, I was really young i didn't know well this is a hard world this is a cold-blooded world that moves fast and it will move on from you very fast when you make these kind of choices ask henry ruggs you know 
So I, I think um, the people that, that kind of land a little more in that fervent point of things and go, no, this is, you lost your privilege on this. I, I can get it. I don't arrive at that place, but I can completely get it. I can completely get it. And football is about mitigating risk. And there is no better way than to mitigate risk than by avoiding hot button red flags, red flag items, you know? So uh, I appreciate your, your standpoint on it too. I completely can understand someone coming from where you're coming from with it. Sam the Great says, John Schneider is for sure giggling today after today. The Raiders are on speed dial for the King's Ransom. I hope so. That'd be wonderful. Future, two future first round picks for the Raiders. Could you imagine getting the Raiders seven and a you know, future first next year? Yeah, my prediction is that Young and Stroud are the first two picks. Then Anderson and Wilson are picks three and four. Wow. That's a bold prediction there. Okay. Bring on Levis, baby. Bring on Levis. Sajan says Carter equals scripted before the combine. How lewd. <laughs> Tommy says, I think it might actually be Levis if the Colts move up to one, actually. Oh, wait. So, sorry, Tommy. Tommy, imagine the Broncos giving us next year's number one so they can move up to number five and draft a quarterback. New coach, not married to Russ. Is it really out of the question? Well, it's hard for them because they're down next year's second as well, Tommy, right? That's like four years of straight draft capital. You've basically been out of any prime draft capital at that point. But they're getting their quarterback. Uh, imagine probably moving up to next year's number one so they can move up to number five. I, I think they would have to give up significantly more than that, Tommy. I think that because they gave up their first round pick, they got back for the Chubb trade this year. So you're not getting anything from them this year other than that. They'd have to do multiple, multiple. I don't think they'd go that route with it. I think that'd be too much. Megan says, thank you, B. This is exactly my point about Carter B and why I never wanted him. Having said that, I hate being, uh, I, I hate being about wrong about something so sad. I hate being right about something so sad overall. I appreciate it, man. I have no, I understand where you're coming from with it. I get that thought process. I can get it. Even in just even a little bit of disagreement, I can get it. It makes sense, you know. And it is a privilege. And these guys should recognize that. And now we're at a point where even in college, you know, it's like you're being paid now in college. You can't say that. Well, I'm just a kid in school. Just um, you know, turn turn the curler. Like, I'm just a kid in school. Just a young boy. You're like you know, you're getting paid like a man. You know, and you're 21. You're a couple years past the age 18. So I can get that standpoint on it. And you know, I think I think uh, still think if a team is going to trade up for a quarterback, they'll trade ahead of us with AZ. The, th the key with that one though is is AZ really willing to part with passing on Will Anderson, and that's a big need for their defense and a great fit. And they need a lot of help. Don't get me wrong that that part of it makes a lot of sense if they do that route with it. But that's the part I'd be unsure of if they would be willing to to go that route, especially with the defensive coach in the building now, especially needing all the defensive help that they need. Sam, uh, the Raiders are dumb. I see that happening. <laughs> the only reason why I think the Colts want the number one pick is because the Texans just happen to be in the number two pick. Yeah, we'll see with the Colts. I remain, I remain a little bit skeptical that they're going to move up in that way. With um, uh, that I, I remain skeptical that they're going to move up to number one. I think that they just kind of stand pat and take their best guy. Sajan says, Gino walks, then what? I trust Pete, John Carroll and Pete Snyder to make us competitors. I trust them too, Sajan. I think you'd franchise and trade him at that point if it was in a point of walking, in my opinion. 
why do I? Will McDonald's amazing. He is put your head in the dirt, run in a circle with your feet still flat on the ground, type bend. ISU play him out of position. 3-4 defensive end, 5-tech, and still at 13 sacks 2021. Oh, no, he's great. He's great. Um, extremely sudden off the snap, too. Why do I? I mean, extremely sudden off the snap. Doesn't know what to do with his hands. Has no clue what to do with his hands. But as far as athleticism, quickness, bend, stuff that you would um, preeminently love to have in your edge rushers, he's got it. Uh, I've got him going right now early, early, early second round. He's right at the top of the stack for me in the second round with my group, but he could very well slide into the first, especially if he if he goes out there and has what, as you're kind of intimating here, would be a, a great combine with that skill set because that stuff will show up in the drills as well. So I, I, I like him a lot too, man. He's growing on me. And they, you can teach the hand stuff. Can't teach being that quick, that fast. Um, and you're right about playing out of position. A lot of the five tech, a lot of heads up. I think they had a lot of three-man fronts there too, didn't they? Those wonky three-man fronts that you get in college, you know, where your head's up over the tackle out of five tech and then you have no help to your inside shoulder. So the double teams can come pretty rigidly at that point. It's a little bit tough. Tommy says, uh, yeah, but B, the joke was that we are number five. So imagine they move up with the Seahawks to replace Russ once again. I know it'd be unlikely, but it'd still be possible. And poor Russ would be worm tongue that at that point. Yeah, yeah, he'd be kind of the outcast <laughs> at that point. That would be, uh, boy, you talk about a tough year just continuing to get even tougher, Tommy. You know, like the Broncos make some quarterback-like trade with Russ, right? They're like, oh my gosh, you talk about just a fall from grace, like, oh. I mean, I feel bad for the guy at this point. It's it's rough. It's rough. Why do I is starting the list of my guys? So for Branch, McDonald, Parker Washington, Tyree Smith, more to come. I like your list of your guys. Let me give you mine right now. Um, I've got Jair Brown, Darnell Washington, Christopher Smith, uh, Brian Branch, Jake Bobo, Owen Popoe, and Sidney Brown. Those are those are kind of my guys. Why do I? So far. It's obviously a list that will expand. In utero, let's get Brandon some more super chats. I can only do $5 or show my or I would contribute more. Man, you did fine. It's all good. I've got plenty of donations here today on the chat, man. It's all it's all good. Uh, why do I says yes, they played ISU played the 335 with the three man rush. He would head up over the OT and still beat him to the edge. Explodes off the line. Yeah, that's a that's a rough. That three man front is brutal on those guys. Just that stuff's so brutal on those edge guys trying to show off their skills. So you're right. It is very impressive to get 13 sacks playing a lot of that type of technique. It is. And um, he's a guy that's not a hard prospect to go look at the film of and see and watch on tape what it is that's exciting about him. It isn't at all. It's, it does jump out very clearly. Very, very clearly on that one. And he's growing on me wide to wide. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those guys that might I might even be Give me another month and a half of tape watching with him, and it might even be where I, you know, I'm I'm even liking him more at that point. Guys can kind of do that where they kind of they kind of like you know, it's like they're like I like I plant the bush two months out from the you know from the draft and start to watch him, and the seed starts to come up. Oh, I like a little of this, oh, I like a little of that. The one thing with him just bothers me with him is just the the complete lack of a plan with his hands. Just sometimes he's just he's he's Ricky Bobby, you know. I don't know what, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know. Take your hands down. I'll just put them up here. It ran real fast. Almost real fast. Real quick. Just get off the line real quick, real fast. I just like to go fast. <laughs> Tommy says, I love Branch. That guy is football. Oh, he is. Um, uh, 
low-key, I might end up in my final mock draft have him going in the top 10. I, I think Atlanta is a is a very, very, very big-time potential um, team coming up and, uh, and jumping up for Branch at, at, at higher than people are thinking he's going to go. But Branch is phenomenal. Best slot corner in the draft, best tackling defensive back in the draft, positional versatility to play strong, strong safety and probably free safety. Hard not to hard not to love that guy's game up up and down back and front left and right. Uh, D Nugget, thank you for the two dollar donation. D Nugget, I really do appreciate it. And as Megan says below there, you have yourself some safe travels out there in Texas. You out there in Texas, don't get don't get around Jerry now. You gonna come up and say D Nugget? Now I heard about you, D Nugget. I heard you were I heard you were a Seahawks fan, but you're now in you're down in Texas, and we're gonna pull you over to our side here. Okay, we're gonna pull you over to the winning side. Don't let him do it. Don't let him get you, D-Nugget. Nick, Tanner McKee, thoughts? I watched Tanner McKee, Nick, and the guy that springs to mind as far as a pretty close comp to him uh, is Jared Goff. I, I think that he's kind of Jared Goff, if this makes any sense, less mobile than Jared Goff. Maybe not quite the arm talent of Jared Goff as far as it really, like when Jared Goff lets a rip off his hand, like he can, he can put some RPMs on that thing. With Tanner McKee, it's, it's good 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 velocity upper level velocity for a pro prospect but not quite to what made for instance in in Goff's case him the number one overall pick um boy is he a statue in the pocket boy do I not like going out there and taking a quarterback in this day and age that's got mobility concerns and mobility is no longer something that's like nice to have it's now something that's become a bit of a necessity for the position and I don't think that he has um I, I just don't think that that he has enough there to succeed in the long-term future. I also think his windup has a little bit of an extra extra bit to it. And so I've got, got a guy that's a little immobile, and then I also don't have necessarily a free and easy delivery. He's got kind of these long arms that take a little bit of time for that ball to get all the way through. So I find myself kind of low on McKee compared to where I'm hearing the NFL evaluators have him, which seems to be somewhere around a second-round range, which I don't really like. I, I just think him more of as a third-round guy to me third round and onward kind of guy he's got a lot of good size good pop arm strength wise but yeah uh megan we will get a cassell and jerry next time for sure 100 100 jerry you're never going to win a super bowl championship unless you put your pride in the back of your purview and learn you're not the smartest man in the room don't you talk to me now all right cassell don't you cassell don't you talk to me about what it takes to be a winner all right how many Lombardis you raised? The only thing you know how to raise is a cigar, okay? Don't talk to me about winning Lombardis, okay? I know Lombardis. They say Lombardi, they say Jerry Jones. They say cigar, they say Cassell. Now, don't you talk to me about my cigar habit. It is what I use as part of my performance art. It's understood, Jerry, that you're a man who impels yourself, pontificates yourself into the realm of the personnel decision-making at too many junctures. That's all hell. I won't hear about that. That's my son does that. Daddy, you do make a lot of calls. Shut up, boy. You're supposed to have my back. You know, get, get in the closet. Get in. I ain't getting in the closet with Mr. Cosell here. I'm a vice president of the Dallas Cowboys. That's worth something to you, Daddy. Ain't worth nothing to me right now, boy. What you want me now? I talk about three Lombardis. How many you want? You a little boy just watching. That's all you're doing. You're just watching me. Just watching your dad to do my work. Now I'm old and I got to do your work for you. I should be retired. 
I should be up in heaven with Howard Cosell. You should. You're an old man. You've only got so long. Shut up. Shut up, Howard. <laughs> Greg Cass says, Brandon, did you hear uh, BJ Ojolari had great interviews breaking down his speed rusher game? And he even talked about his brother, who you brought up and explained the differences between them. He just, he's got some some natural juice to him, Greg, with with that that first step quickness being like I say, you, you go with pass rushers, you go, you know, first step quickness, burst, bend, lean. There's some real base traits you want to have on these guys that set them up for really great success at the NFL level, even if they're not refined in their abilities or their technician hands and stuff. Daryl Taylor shows this, right, Greg, where, you know, he doesn't have a lot in his bag as far as moves to go to, but because he's just so lightning quick and so bendy, um, he gets a lot of wins that way. And uh, Ojolari will as well at the next level. But yeah, the, it's the keen difference between the two. I'm I'm glad to hear that he has kind of maybe a, a viewpoint and understanding on, on what he's doing and where he's going with it. And that is impressive with it. But boy, his brother was a lot more further along in that in that element of his game going out, coming out as a pro versus him. Um, both very similar from what they bring natural ability goes. But but the, the elder Ojolari was just to me a little bit a little bit better on that one. Megan says, thanks, B. I need to laugh. Anytime, Megan. Anytime. Cassell and Jerry going at it. Mythical Pigeon says, make, line, make Seahawks linebackers great again. Make it happen. Let's start with Bobby. Tommy says, with that state, uh, with the state of offensive lines in the NFL, immobile quarterbacks are a no-go. Is Goff the last remaining starting quarterback in the league with uh, sand in his boots? What a shift in the prototype. Very well end up could have, could end up being that Tommy where you know you're seeing like four six five being kind of the minimum now as a quarterback coming in four seven can't get can't really get much lower than that you know and you got to have a good ten yard split with some quickness to you but if it's not getting there it's heading in that direction Tommy and it's really only a matter it's really only a matter of time you know you've got to have a guy that can be able to move a little bit and um, I don't know maybe there's a way that there's the college concepts could proliferate in such a way where the ball the guy's just getting the ball out of his hands so quickly because the air raid stuff starts to take hold and it just becomes so like pass happy and dink and dunkin that you can design an offense around it maybe. But I'm, I'm reticent to believe that that's the case. James McElroy just joined. Did you guys already talk about Seattle having already started draft visits with Mike Morris and Dayon Henley? Talked a little bit about Henley. Didn't see the Mike Morris report, but I'm not shocked about Mike Morris. I think that he's a, a great, uh, he'd be a, a fun power rusher for you to add to this defense. Um, one of the better edge defenders in the run game in this draft. I think he's kind of got some similarities at times to kind of Jadavian Clowney. Not the same kind of talent level coming out, not the same level of freakishness, but kind of in the build and how they go about winning and and that kind of thing. And Deion Henley makes a lot of sense too, James. Very good player. Um, one of the better coverage linebackers in this draft. And so if they're targeting him for the middle linebacker post, that makes a lot of sense. Both those guys, I think, James, are going to look at probably second round grades on both of those guys. So maybe both in the second round at that point, which is interesting. Yeah, 1023. Uh, yep, Sam the Great. Um, he did indeed get arrested. Arrested. Tom Eaton says, we kind of absolutely need to bring Bobby back, I think. I'm not sure there is another way to to two starting linebackers. We can't possibly start two rookies, can we? And Brooks not likely to be going around, uh, not going to be likely to be ready. I would think you can't, Tommy, because if you're going to try to compete, which you think next year you're really going to try to compete getting through the rebuild year, and then here we go. 
Um, absent them just sort of continuing to punt next year in their development process, I would think that they would want to have a little bit more established there at the position rather than, to your point on that, two rookies. I think you would have been willing to do that this year if they wanted to do that. But I think it's a different story about next year in that in that respect of things. So, yeah, I think you you got to do the Bobby thing. It makes a lot of sense to do it. It's not going to cost a tremendous amount of money. Um, we're not going to look at getting prime Bobby. All that stuff's true, but it's the move that should probably happen here. Byron D, thank you for the $2 donation, Byron D, and as well as being a member of the channel. You're awesome. Tyree, Schmitz, Sewell, Ika, how does that sound? Uh, so we got Tyree at five, Schmitz at 20, Sewell at the first, second round pick, and Ika with the back, second round pick. Um, I'm, I love the front side of it, Byron D. Sign me up for Tyree Wilson at five. Smith's at 20. is a very safe pick that provides you a great benefit to the center position at that point. Beautiful. Um, I'm not as big on Noah Sewell, and I'm not as big on Sika Ika. Uh, both of those two guys, to me, are just, they're, they're both very, very good from a physical standpoint and physical potential standpoint. But on tape, I don't know if either showed enough for me to want to make them second round picks on tape. They have second round builds. They have second round physical potential, but they, they don't have second round tape. And if I'm taking a guy in the second round, I want a little bit more of that uh, rather than, than sort of the risk in the prey. Third round's where I'll take a little bit more of the flyer kind of range on guys a bit, um, where I'll go to more of just the physical profile and say I can put the rest of the stuff together down, down the line. But not on those two guys, I can't do it. Megan says, Wagner and Gino coming back? My idea of heaven. Highly unlikely. But let me have my dreams. You never know, Megan. You never know with that. So, Wilbur wants Zeke up front. Why do I says, I'm a firm believer that if Seattle resigns Geno, drafts a top center and a top slot, Seahawks will have a top five offense. I could see that, man. Definitely could happen. You're taking some of the bigger weaknesses of your team last year now and making them, if not strengths, um, nowhere near weaknesses. Inuro, who needs a center as bad as the Hawks do? No one in the first 19 picks ahead of us in the first round in Utero. You probably could find one of those playoff that, that you know playoff type teams looking for one like you have. So this is how it plays out in recent years, right? In Utero, if you look at center, it tends to be picked in the 20s. Cesar Ruiz going to the Saints a couple of years ago. Last year, you had... Um, uh, Linderbaum going to the Ravens. So you'll probably see a playoff team be willing to jump on him at that point. But inside of 19 picks, I don't see anybody that would be picking him there. Cardinals have a need, but there's not going to be picking in that spot there to grab him that early. They'd be second round. <laughs> uh, Long live the Kings. There's no Russ hate here, but the difference in our offense I noticed last year was we had a quarterback that climbed the pocket to make his biggest throws instead of rollouts or scramble throws. Oh, great. Gino did a great job of navigating the pocket. Climbing the ladder is one of the biggest spots that he was uh, really, really good at with that long live the king. And that was not Russ's game. Climbing the ladder was something that he just did not want to, he didn't like doing it. It made him uncomfortable. You know, he felt like his vision got restricted down as opposed to getting to the edges where you, your vision's opened up a little bit more. Uh, Megan, we do need to get Bobby back. Jersey, getting that jersey back would be good too. Why do I love Bobby? I understand people are concerned about his losing a step, but he instantly commands the D it's his as soon as he signs and he can still play. Bingo, dude. It goes, it's a couple different things of an effect of bringing Bobby in that it has. On, he improves the play of the position of even at least marginally from what you had. He improves the leadership majorly from what you had. And then he helps out you as far as play recognition and getting the defense in the right place on top of it. All very valuable assets. To have them all tripled up essentially is more valuable than what we have, more valuable than what we can get in other places. 
Um, Joe Biden's make question. Have you seen any of the Mariner player interviews from Seattle sports? Not as of yet. I've been just kind of deep, deep in on the channel, my man. <laughs> and you know, I think Brock and Salk fell in love with Julio this morning. Oh, that's not, that's understandable. That's understandable. That'll happen. He'll cause that reaction in people. Uh, Sam the Great says, but the Astros have too much power. Eh, eh, maybe. We'll see. I think they've taken some steps here already to kind of improve themselves from where they were last year being the Mariners. If, Carol, if Kelnick can develop now, if he can round out into shape, uh, you can still go make one more extra trade if you wanted to to top this thing off. They're going to be out there competing with them. I like it. Jeffrey says, uh, yeah, once Bobby is signed, this teaches all the rookies the verbiage to use to operate the defense properly. And there we go. There we go. All right, well, we've uh, we've reached four hours in here on the stream today. I'm going to be bouncing back tomorrow at seven o'clock here on the channel with Brendan Nelson. And we're going to be previewing, previewing, I can't speak here at the end here for some reason. Uh, we're going to be previewing the uh, defensive, um, pro, the defensive free agents that are out there here as we've got free agency coming up here in the next two weeks. So we're going to specifically be looking at that. Me and Brendan are going to be talking more about the Carter incident here and a little bit of this other news that's out there like Bobby and Bezos and some of the other stuff that's out there kind of percolating. So uh, we'll be kind of bouncing through a variety of different topics tomorrow, but uh, we will be bouncing back on that side of it. Uh, Sam the Great, we have a great outfield. Can't complain's right. If if we can get Kelnick going, man, that's kind of the key. You want to talk about competing with the Astros and having that one bat now that can kind of put you up over the top to getting there with the rest of the bats that develop along, that's the one to get it done. That's that's to me that that's kind of a little bit of the the onus there outside of them going out there and making a major, major, major move on that. Uh, Megan says, hope to be here. We'll see how it goes. No worries, Megan, if you can make it, but I appreciate you jumping in if you can. So thank you so much. Jeffrey, you have yourself a great night. Daniel, have yourself a great night. Cool Breeze, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you to all of the folks that uh, donated in the chat. Um, oh, Sam the Great, I missed your dono, man. Sorry, Jesus, Louise, I'm my bad brother. Jesus, I almost, have, almost missed your donation before signing off. Uh, thank you for Sam for the $5 donation. It says, go Hawks. Can't wait for the Mariners content. And indeed, uh, Sam, we will be ramping up on that stuff the, on the content-wise Mariners. I'm definitely going to be doing the live streams. I'm going to try to get some more uploads done on that side. I'm just running into right now, Sam, just the thing where the day, the hours run out in the day, you know, where you're just like, dude, where'd the day go? I, I, I just had, it was just 10 in the morning. It's now 5.30 at night. What's going on? But uh, the Mariners channel will be going strong this year. We're going to be as many live streams as I can watching the game, BSing and talking. So if you aren't, already subscribed over there to the crow's nest please do get subscribed over the crow's nest as we will be going into full tilt here once we get to uh may 1st opening day you better believe i will be subscribing on that day 150 percent but uh sam thank you for the five dollar donation brother go hawks get hyped here folks it's about to get very 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 exciting well we uh yeah sam i almost missed that one man i hate missing donations that one that one i just i feel so bad if i miss a donor i'm like oh god well, folks, we're two weeks out of free agency. We got Geno negotiations going on. We got rumors of Jeff of Bezos wanting to come by the team. Rumors of Bobby wanting to come out. Seattle wanting to get Bobby back into the fold. Jalen Carter being arrested, who maybe would have been one of Seahawks' number one prospects they looked out to get. We got stuff popping and bubbling. Okay? It's going. We got some news flying and stuff hasn't even begun to happen yet. But one thing that I hope is happening in your heart is there's some excitement being created because you've got a, a period now where you get to see this team start to inject more talent in really in a major fashion and help to take this team hopefully to a place they can get to elite. Maybe, maybe I'm a dreamer on this, but dare I say, 
get to being elite even next year. Might be might be a little premature on it, but I'm hoping, I'm, I'm dreaming big, I'm dreaming large. I hope you're dreaming large and dreaming big with this offseason as well. No matter what, though, this is going to be so fun and so exciting, breaking this down with you guys, turning over all of these potential options, all of these different directions the Seahawks can go. It's very fun to talk about because everyone takes you down a different thread and a different pathway that in itself unwinds seven or eight different other little spools within it to sort of discuss. Uh, this is the stuff that just gets me so hyped about football and, and covering this team and getting into the depths of it. I'm glad to hear you guys resonate with it as well. And we're going to just keep going along here throughout this off season. So I hope I don't have to remind you at a moment like this, but you know I will. I hope I don't have to say, but you know I will. I shouldn't have to tell you guys as we're just about to go up on our run, as we're just about to open that Super Bowl window, I shouldn't have to tell you, but I'm going to do it. Don't you ever, ever forget. Go Hawks.